Hack the planet, crashes our hero, took down the stock market with ones and zeros. We're talking about hackers. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, the podcast, a discussion of weird movies. Uh, I'm uh, Billy Martell. With me, as always, is Brad Hefner. And today we have a special guest, uh, friend of the show and and fan of the show, Stephen Collier. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, It's an honor to be here. Long time listener. Well, it's awesome to have you here. Uh, and uh, just like when we've had uh, our previous guest spring on in the past, yeah. Stephen has brought a weird and wacky movie for us to discuss. Today we're talking about the cult 90s, what would you call it? Uh, a manifesto! A manifesto! <laughs> a manifesto uh, hackers. Just a, a, a very... Unique movie, which starring Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie, Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard, Fisher Stevens, Fisher Stevens, not in brownface, uh, yeah, for once in his life, uh, and then Billy Crystal. They call each other. <laughs> they're they're the brownface they, gang. They, yeah, they call each other up. They're like, hey, do you want to get an entire pizza each? <laughs> and they go to the pizza pie place, right, in blackface. Fisher's in brown. He prefers brown. He prefers brown. But yeah, they just each eat a whole pizza. Right, of course. And then the cops get called, but they get off and they're famous. Right, yeah, yeah. Josh Gad wasn't cool enough to join the to join the brown. Josh Gad, Gad Josh Gad is in yellow face. Oh he's God. outside the pizza pie shop, snout pressed against the glass. <laughs> just looking at these two having a grand old time. Oh God. All right. So <laughs> Talking about hackers. So we're talking about hackers. Uh, Steven, this is this is your movie on, on the show. Uh, giving the most brief plot light spoiler, spo- spoiler free uh, description of the story. This is a movie that goes in depth into the the seedy underbelly of the hacker subculture as it absolutely, completely and totally existed. Is there a question in there? In 1995. The we follow uh, a a young super genius as he becomes part of a, a gang of hackers and the the trials and tribulations of of coming of age in a, in a world of of uh, being a cyberpunk. I don't know in a non cyberpunk world. I don't know that I could summarize that better than the question, and I, I don't mean to use hyperbole, but I firmly believe hackers is where the Western canon peaked. <laughs> So yeah, w- w- Stephen, what what about hackers? Again, without giving spoilers, what about hackers really like uh, appealed to you? What what made you want to bring it on the show? And uh, would you recommend it? And if so, to whom and why? And you know, like, why do you love it? Yeah, if you like joy, if you like cinema at all, like every every frame is a painting. You owe it to yourself to watch hackers. I think that hacker hackers like. I think this is the time to watch Hackers. 94 was not the time to watch Hackers. I think absolutely 2022 is where like this this experience has ripened. It's got sort of a, a fragrant bouquet to it, which is really going to offer a lot of like 
new nuance material for like contemporary viewers to enjoy. Um, I, I I think like why? How do I even begin to explain why I like hackers? Hackers is the most '90s thing. I don't mean it's the most '90s film. I mean it is the most '90s thing I have ever seen made. Um, it's one of those films which I saw on like movies at ten o'clock at night about three years ago, and you wake up the next morning wondering if you actually experienced any of it. It's right. this grand neon fever dream of a movie, and I just adore every second of it. It is. This is what Hackers is for me. Hackers is the adulthood 90s kids were promised. It is like the utopian vision of the future that we expected. That was like broadcast to us on the pamphlets of like a thousand scholastic flyers. I guess you're right. This is a kid power movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. So you would recommend uh, Hackers to, to everybody? I Yeah, I really think that, you know, I, I feel weird calling Hackers family-friendly, family fun. But, I mean, really, there's a sort of, like, earnest, utopian kind of, like, conceit to, like, a lot of its characters, like, actions. It is the Rebel yeah. Alliance versus, like, the evil corporate empire. I, I really think that this is sort of, like, a good general viewing experience. Just sure. a wildly, uh, horribly anachronistic one. So I'm uh, just to tell a quick story. As as we've mentioned a couple times on the podcast, this show existed before I was a part of it. Yes. Originally, this was a show with Brad and, and his friend Brennan, and uh, well, our friend Brennan. And I first became a, a part of the show by just coming on as a guest, mm -hmm. and I brought a weird movie that I really loved called Jubilee. Thought about Jubilee a lot during this. Yeah, and I I brought it in, and uh, I was really excited to talk about it. And I'm I'm having a lot of flashbacks at that time because both Brennan and Brad did not have a good time watching Jubilee. And I was like, oh, well, and now I feel really bad because I'm putting Steven through the same situation. I'm afraid that uh, Brad and I did not share your... Uh, you, you're, it's like you're trying to tell them we're getting a divorce. Yeah, um, we're we have to break up. That's what I'm trying to say. No, we we didn't have as euphoric an experience with hackers as as you did, and uh, the movie seems to mean a lot to you. Is I guess the reason why I'm I'm not I'm I'm choosing my words carefully. But uh, you don't have to. It is a dumb movie. Okay. It is a profoundly dumb movie. Okay, good. Okay, right. yeah. As it's... long as as long as you're as you're on the same page there, then we will we'll be fine. The the movie is I will say, again, like I said at the top, it's unique. It I think it deserves a place on this show. I understand why it would have a cult following. Mm -hmm. It's interesting as like an as I heard someone on the uh, Macaulay Culkin actually called it an artifact of a future as we thought it would be at the time. As Stephen just said. And yeah. Stephen just basically touched on the same idea. It's it's pulling from cyberpunk, but it's it's mostly pulling from like it feels like a, a sort of like half understood idea of it's AOL cyberpunk. Time. Yeah, it's AOL AOL cyberpunk. That's an that's that's a good term. I, I really that's like cool. that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that that is interesting. The part of it that is not good is uh, the script, <laughs> the editing, the direction, and the acting. Uh, <laughs> this this movie was. Uh, I feel like the production I, design I, of this movie elevates it and saves so much of it. Yeah, it all took place on the set of all that. <laughs> 
Well, some sets from all that, and also some sets from the 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. True. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say, they, again, not getting into spoilers, there is a practical effect that's in the movie that is genuinely impressive. Like many choices in the film, a, 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 a practical effect that I don't know if it needed to be in the movie at all. But it was genuinely impressive how it was made. We'll get to it when we get to it. But like, so there are bits to the movie that I am impressed by. I like that they quote from the actual Hacker's Manifesto. Mm -hmm. I found the actual experience of like seeing the movie uh, to be difficult. If they put out a... uh, a tabletop RPG or potentially like a like a video game. Shadow run, my man. Sure, where you live in but like not in an actual cyberpunk world, in an okay. AOL cyberpunk world. Gotcha. I would I would love to play I would love to play that game and like experience the world of the characters. But a Johnny Lee Miller's character was so annoying to me. I I wanted to kick him in the nuts so hard. <laughs> he he did the one cool thing like right at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, okay, cool, I like you. And then like he and Angelina Jolie met, and I just started to hate him. What did you think of this American accent? Oh, it's oh, terrible. God, it's my favorite. I I will. My favorite parts of this movie are when Johnny Lee Miller's accent slipped. Which actually is most of the movie. So I love this movie. It's one big. It's one big slip. It's, it's, I just. I just keep picturing Danny Boyle like, uh, watching hackers and being like, I need this guy in train spotting. Apparently, that is what happened though. Oh my god. Yeah, Danny wow. Boyle saw him in hackers and was like, yeah. Was Danny Boyle doing heroin at the time? Uh, no, no comment. No idea about that. I but mean, uh, Brad, sorry, go ahead. See, everybody loved him. Wasn't like Jolie married to him two years later? Yes, Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller got married like a couple months after this movie came out. It's the power hacking. They they got into a big. Sh- they ever this was everyone's first movie. This was Angelina Jolie's first starring role. Johnny Lee Miller's first movie at all. I think it was also Matthew Lillard's first movie. Yeah. And uh, so Angelina Jolie and and Johnny Lee Miller got into a big old showmance and they got divorced in under a year after the movie came out. Yeah. Do you think it's because she wanted him to speak with an American accent? She was like, Oh my god. If you love me, you'll do it for five minutes. Because he was—he's a—he's like a method actor, so he was yeah. in—he was doing that accent the whole time, just like Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, and uh, just—and but they, just, his accent is as good as Lady Gaga's accent is in House of Gucci. I want a movie about a method actor who's really shitty at being a method actor, and like they're speaking in an accent all the time, but it's like really fucking bad, so it's even more annoying. Only if John Lovitz plays him. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm just thinking someone needs to revive Lovitz. Uh, yeah, Lovitz absolutely. thinks that. <laughs> Was that John Lovitz right there? John John Lovitz runs the John Lovitz Bring Back John Lovitz website. <laughs> I do, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> All right, like, let's start. Uh, Brad, did you have any more thoughts? I kind of dominated that. Do you have any more oh, thoughts about um, Packers before we go into spoilers? I will say this to Stephen. Mm-hmm. I really tried with this movie. I watched this movie twice. Really? Um, because you're not the only person who 
feels this way about hackers. So I'm like, is there something I'm missing? Again, star of the 90s, Macaulay Culkin. Big fan. It might be that I fucking hate the 90s. <clears throat> Aside from like a couple things, but a lot of the 90s, especially it's cinema, not a huge fan of. So that might have been a problem, but it's, as Billy said, there's not a lot of good stuff here. And while I did hate Johnny Lee Miller, mm-hmm. I now want to hunt and kill Matthew Lillard. I like I want an apology from him Matt, before he dies. Really? Matthew Lillard David is like acclaimed actor Matthew Lillard. He's dead. <laughs> Just wanted to go scuba dive. <laughs> Matthew Lillard is unironically one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like I, every time he was on on screen, I lit up. I okay. I enjoyed the movie so much more. Well. To have him to have him there, but we'll let's, we'll we'll get into it. Let's start talking about the plot of Hackers. Yes. Uh, what, do you think there were any other titles for this movie, like Hack to the Future or Hack to the Future? Is not bad. Hack to the Future is not bad. I I have to imagine that Hack the Planet was the name was one of the names that they kicked around because it is it is such a like like a recurring motif throughout the film of yeah. like hack the planet the show that they love is called hack the planet the ad print for this movie is sublime like every poster just has in huge print their only crime was curiosity which is a line sounds erotic <laughs> that is a line from the actual hackers manifesto which i will say one really cool thing that came from this movie is i did not know i'd heard of the hackers manifesto but I always thought it was an original thing to this movie. I did not know that the Hacker's Manifesto was a real thing. Yeah. And so by watching this movie and doing research for the podcast, I found that and I read it and I thought it was fascinating. And it did help to unlock this movie a little bit in my brain. There, like... One of the things which, like, I think you need to keep in mind watching this film is, like, this is 94 concept of computers. Like, not a lot yes. of people had yeah. internet at this time. A lot of the cast had never been online. They had to, like, get them, like, yeah. uh, loaner laptops so they could experience the internet for the first time to be educated yeah. in the film. One of the things which I actually thought was quite interesting is that Raphael, the guy who wrote the script, consulted with a ton of real-world hackers. Yeah. So much so did, yeah. that, like, the FBI ended up monitoring the entire production. And I have to wonder if that shows up in the movie to a certain degree. That is hilarious because that sounds like something the FBI agent characters in this movie would do. Yeah. Like some one of the lame shit things that they would do. But yeah, the movie was written by a guy named Raphael Moreau, who is quoted as saying to call hackers a counterculture makes it sound like they're a transitory thing. I think they're the next step in human evolution. Yeah. Uh, Real Max Headroom shit. That yes. is what I would expect uh, from the man who eventually gives us the rage, Carrie too. Yes, and that was something to like the so there the two most significant movies this guy ever wrote, Hackers and The Rage, Carrie Two, are both movies that uh, rely heavily on MTV style editing and like really a lot of montages and like really you know cringy bits that have been left behind in the 90s. Yeah. The director of this movie doesn't usually do stuff like that. Like most of his other movies are not like that they're more traditionally shot, which makes me think that Raphael would write these montages into his scripts. I just it just it's so confusing to me. The this is the director's second feature film. Yes. This is only his second feature after making a Beatles biopic called Backbeat, which starred Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks. Okay. And in the talk back, I found... Was Cheryl Lee Ringo? 
<laughs> yes. No. Cheryl Lee was. Uh, it, it's complicated. What's more important? What's more important is in that movie. She has like yes. the same haircut as Angelina Jolie in this movie. Oh no, she does. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. So I, the director has a type. I, yeah, that is the only takeaway I have from this. Uh, but I, I, the only reason I mentioned backbeat at all, other than the Cheryl Lee connection, is because in the director talkback that I found, like a 20th anniversary talkback, he spent so much more time deviating off the questions they were giving him to talk about backbeat than he did talking about hackers, which I think says something. I think uh, it's the same interview. And like his entire editorial yeah. process is like, I like going to nightclubs. I find yeah. scripts that allow me to film at my favorite nightclubs. What's not to love? Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe I got off of him. So yeah, we open on a choppy slow motion handheld shot. It's that sort of slow motion that, Again, is is very nineties of yes. where everything seems very clippy. Uh, of also, a, clippy, also very nineties. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and computers. <laughs> oh, why wasn't Clippy in this movie? <laughs> clippy could have offered them help. <laughs> clippy could have been their inside man. <laughs> They're all talking about how fast it'll take to get into the Gibson, and he's like, "If you if you accept my help, it'll only take seconds." Looks like you're trying to take down capitalist fat cats. Want some help? <laughs> uh, this, so the slow motion handheld shot following a SWAT team in the middle of suburbia. They bust in to a neighborhood home. I want to point out something here. Okay. Here's how you know these aren't real cops. Okay. We see a dog and they do not shoot that dog. Ah. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are actors in a movie. These are definitely actors in a movie. Took me right out of the film. That's the problem. First 15 seconds, I was like, I'm not buying it. it just ruined the movie for you. So, yeah, so we, the, we see the SWAT team burst into the house. A woman we now later learn is Lauren Murphy. And uh, right before they're about to take in their suspect, we cut to black and fade in in a courtroom where a prosecuting attorney is introducing us to Dade Murphy, also known as Zero Cool. He's a computer genius who sent out a computer virus that crashed a ton of systems what well, i'm not 1507. sure 1507 1507 yep. systems including some wall street trading systems causing a seven point drop in the new york stock market i have no idea what that means it means he did. <laughs> i still thought that they were it was pronounced stonks until i watched this movie so i i have no idea what's going on but I know, I know, but all, but that is the important detail. Zero, because we should respect his handle. His handle. Yeah. Zero is only 11 years old. And we get the, we get this very Mel Brooksian shot where it like pans across all the very serious adults and then like get the same level and catches like his little sprigs of hair coming up and his uh... hands down. And it's funny because the entire thing is shot. And not acted, but like shot as if it were like a comedy scene. But the music, which is like this industrial rock dirge that seems to be sampling the soundtrack from Titanic, makes it seem like this is the most serious, dramatic thing that ever happened. But it's still shot like a comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. But he's just a little, he's a wee little boy. Yeah. Here's an important question. Mm -hmm. Is Dade short for Daedalus? Ooh. Ooh. Kind of has to be, doesn't it? That Rem seems remind, like it is, yeah. 
Remind me which what which one was Daedalus again? Daedalus was Icarus's father. He built the maze that the oh Minotaur was in. Yes, uh, and the wings also the character in Deus Ex. Mm. An AI character, right? That makes sense. So he's sentenced by the court to have no more computer or phone time until he turns eighteen. He's super grounded. He's super grounded. We get more choppy slow mo of Zero and his family leaving the courthouse. Cut to an airplane seven years uh, later. I think this movie would have been better for okay. many reasons. Okay. If it had been like a Lee Harvey Oswald thing where they were like, hey, Murphy, and someone shoots. Oh like my some, God. Some stockbroker is like, <laughs> like, like Batman begins is like, hey, hey, Falcone says hi. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say, I think this movie would have been better if it was like a The Wizard situation oh. where we just followed 11-year-old Hacker and he meets up with Fred Savage and a whole bunch of other little kids and they're all just like, the rest of the movie is more or less the same, but they're just sort of like, oh, you can't be elite without a handle. And they're all like, like he's just these little precocious kids running around. There's a power glove in both movies. There is. <laughs> that, that's true. To cut to an airplane seven years later, Zero is now played by bleached blonde Johnny Lee Miller. Uh, when asked what attracted him to the script, Johnny Lee Miller said, it was my first movie. Fair. I, <laughs> Fair. I would have done anything you threw in at me. Uh, I wanted to camouflage a keyboard. I A lot of people make fun of like how old he looks in this movie, including me when I was making my initial notes. Yeah. I looked it up. He was only 23, and he's playing an 18-year-old. By Hollywood standards, that's not far off. And we both agree he looked about 80. He's, he, he, looks, looks, he looks like he was 40. He yeah. looked like Dan Chalice when he was in the studio. And uh, I I feel mean. He, he looks exactly the same now. So he, he's, he, he at least froze at some point in time. He started drinking the Adrenochrome. <laughs> the Illuminati saw hackers and they were like, mm -hmm. we need you in our blood cabal. <laughs> I, I will say, despite like ragging on the director a little bit and i will be ragging on the director later i'm not stopping johnny lee miller said that the only movie where he had as much prep work as train spotting was this movie did he did they they gave them like trainer laptops as you said they they took like typing classes they had to take rollerblading classes they were expected to meet with the same hackers that the screenwriter had consulted with they did all of this shit and then they came on set and started making the movie and apparently were very confused by a lot of the decisions that the director had made once they got there because none of it lined up lined up with any of the research he'd made he had made them do um sir this is not what we learned at computer camp <laughs> So apparently a, a similar level of preparedness went into making hackers as went into making aliens. Okay. That's, I don't know. That's, that seems weird to me. And we cut to the, the moment when this movie went um, full nineties for me. What we cut to the title sequence where he's looking down on the aerial shot of New York city. He's moving to New York city. It was, we find out later. He's looking down at the aerial shot of New York City, and it transforms before his eyes into a computer, into a circuit board with lightning and lights flashing all over it. And then, in like super nineties uh, esque font, it it comes into frame. Hackers. I had a uh, a Muppet, like a, a children's book mm -hmm. with the Muppets with Kermit mm -hmm. that explained computers and how they worked. Oh, God. Basically, this intro. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, it's like it's a little road. I Again, like, I, I think if you 
grew up during this time where they're trying to explain yeah. computers to people. Motherfucker, I'm older than you. True. Okay. Okay. But I grew up in like rural PA, like where there was no yeah. technology anywhere. So like any, yeah. it was like the gods must be crazy. Whenever by the time we got like a fax machine, what was like this this new item sent by the gods? But I I think it's like how do you explain cyberspace to people? Well, it's basically like a world that exists over the normal world. Mm-hmm. True. I, I did. I had a lot of. I I tried to watch Tron recently. I only got about five minutes in. Uh, before I was like, I I need to not be on my phone for this, and I don't have the attention span right now. Uh, but like, I got a lot of very Tron-y vibes, which is another movie that's like the internet is new and weird, and we don't know how to 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 include it in our movies yet. Okay, but like the other films that come out, I think the same year are Johnny Mnemonic, The Net. Mm-hmm. Like this is the closest Johnny Mnemonic get... at least had a. I'm sorry, I was gonna say I feel like this is the most utopian positive like portrayal of the oh, internet yeah. you get in. Yeah. I, I would I would entirely agree. I think that like like the like the writer was saying, like the writer clearly loved the hacker shit that he found and that he researched, and he he definitely has a very positive view of them, more positive than most at, of the time. It does help that it's a cyberpunk movie that takes place in the present rather yeah. than in a actual cyberpunk universe. Also helps that Henry Rollins isn't around. I can see a universe where Henry Rollins was absolutely in this movie in in some capacity, just like someone in it was either Fisher Stevens or Henry Rollins. <laughs> Fisher playing the Fisher Stevens character or just like one of the bands in one of the clubs that they go into. Is this when I Johnny has his first line and you realize just exactly the kind of American accent you're 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 about to get yourself into. Steven, you asked us what we thought of his American accent. What did you think of his American accent? I'm not sure if this is a stupid take or not. I think he sounds weirdly like James Rolfe a lot of the time when he's trying way too hard to like over enunciate. He does kind of look like James Rolfe in this movie. But maybe it's just because he has a high forehead and so does James Rolfe. I, I, might be- <laughs> I really think that this is like a very superficial like uh, comparison on my part, but it's something I just couldn't stop thinking while I was watching it this time. That's all right. That's all right. He's he he reminded me of uh, William Shatner a lot because his his not only is his accent uh, very strange, but he's all of his even like little lines. He's acting as if to the back row. It's very theater. It's very theater. He's I've never understood what the word arch meant. But now this Johnny Lee Miller this is, is arch. arch. This is arch. Okay. Yeah. No. This is fucking arch. And he's like, he has this bit. He 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 asked. He's just asking someone. No, someone comes up to him and says something to him, and he doesn't hear them at first. And then he's like, the line is, "I'm sorry, you wanted uh like like just like that." But he says, "Sorry, you wanted." Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed that he has never really been in a position since this movie where he has ever had to play a part where he had to use an accent. And I have a feeling that Johnny Lee Miller saw, heard his accent when watching this movie and was like, okay, got it. Not good at those. Going to move on and play Sherlock Holmes for the rest of my life. I'm I'm good with that. It's important to know your weaknesses. It is important. Anyway, so Zero, or as he renames himself in the scene, Crash Override. Zero Cool is so much better than Crash Override. You think so? It's so much better. But it's I not thematically re- relevant because he already wiped out a zero cool. Now he's overridden that crash. 
Oh, I see. It's an override of his previous thing. Okay. Okay, okay. See, Raphael, I, when he writes a script, there are layers, man. Apparently, we apparently we all have to watch The Rage Carry 2 after. Yeah. Because we, we need to find out more about this artiste. Uh, so he does probably the coolest thing that he does in the whole movie. Well, the coolest and lamest thing he does at the same time. The lamest thing is that he's, in order to make us understand that Crash Override is a cool character. They have him hacking on a computer with, like, junk food and sunglasses in the dark. Mm -hmm. Just hacking away with sunglasses in the dark. In a bit that I saw praised by some actual hackers on YouTube who were reviewing this movie, the first bit of hacking we see him doing is not so much a lot of typing, but social engineering. Tricking someone over the phone into giving him important data about the computer. Uh... And the first bit of hacking that he uh, achieves is to pirate a TV signal, cutting off a racist political pundit, and replacing him with an episode of The the Outer Limits. And now here's where, like, there should have been more of this shit, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to punish racists. I mean, he says a bunch of dumb one-liners after he does it. Right. Not the point. But (laughs) get a job. (laughs) Sound like Paul Lynn. (laughs) Hacker, I barely know him. (laughs) Sorry, you wanted. <laughs> Here, here's one of my thoughts about a uh, Dade. Do you think that yes. like they're trying to lean into how bad the accent is? Like he's supposed to come across as like the cringe, weird kid. So like everything that he says should sound kind of off kilter. Or do you think it's just a bad accent? I this is a problem I have with a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Is I cannot. You can't tell where to find the, the mm-hmm. intentions. Ah. Gotcha. Ah. Especially when with a character we're going to get to later, but with Dade, I just I felt like we were supposed to think he was cool. I, I yeah. never really felt like we were supposed to be like anything else. I will say, um, and it also might be that because sometimes there are a lot of different people working on the movie. We know that the screenwriter and the director had very different ideas for the movie, and we'll get into just how different those ideas were later. But uh, so there might all part of the problem might be that there are different hands at the wheel. Yeah. I know that the director's one of the director's first picks for the role of Crash was actually Matthew Lillard. Mm. Matthew Lillard was an actor who was just brought in to read behind the camera for the actresses uh, auditioning for the part that eventually went to Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. He liked his take on the character so much, he brought him out to Hollywood. And then according to Matthew Lillard, in an interview I watched him, he said, well, I wasn't as pretty as Johnny Lee Miller, so they went with him. And uh, that could be just him making a joke or being, like, spiteful. But also... And join the Illuminati blood cabal. Right, yeah. Uh, But it also could be a situation where the director saw Crash as more of, like, a sort of a weird guy. Yeah, if it were Lillard. You don't cast Matthew Lillard as a normal person. No. Uh, But... and And the studio or the screen... Or, like, what the studio wanted was, like, no, the kid's... The kids uh, want to feel like they're the cool badass, so we need this guy to be a cool badass. And Johnny Lee Miller is kind of a compromise between those two. He both has like a sort of a British punk edge to him, which is why he's in train spotting. Train spotting, but he's also an awkward dork, which is why he gets cast as people like Sherlock in Elementary. 
But he he hacks the station to yep. put on the outer limits. Yep. Because you're if you're an 18 year old in 1995, right? What else do you want to watch? Yeah, exactly. Except, beside the inferior show, <laughs> he could put on the Twilight Zone. Ooh, get, taking some getting some hot takes today. But, but, but here's weirdly in love with Outer Limits. Like Joey wears an Outer Limits cap the entire movie. Oh, he has a Lost in Space cap. My oh, friend. that's right. Excuse me. I, I I will tell you what this movie is obsessed with. It's obsessed with things the studio already owned. Yes. <laughs> they had they had they could use the Outer Limits. They could use the clips from these other movies that get spliced into the film later yeah. on. And so they were like, decided to go with that. And I, I, I will say, this is the coolest thing that he does. And I, I agree with you, Brad. I wish that he had done more of this sort of like taken down. Like we had more examples of him taking down the man in the yeah. film. Uh, but he. Uh, but I want to point out one other thing. Okay. He puts on the outer limits. Mm hmm. But he doesn't use the part of the intro where they say, we control the transmission. Yeah. What the fuck? This is day one stuff, Hacker. <laughs> right. That would have been such a cool thing to do. I, I I think that's that's obviously more of like an editing problem than anything else. No, that's a date problem. That's a day. Okay, we're going to come down on date for that. But yeah, no, that would have been so much cooler if they'd like cut right to the opening where like it legitimately looks like there's something wrong with your TV for a couple of seconds. Uh, but I was I, I did want to point out that even though he he takes down a racist on TV, he he does a racism like a few minutes earlier in the social engineering bit. He's he's it, it's this funny bit where he's like coming up with all this oh, shit. Yeah, and it was like, oh man, you gotta help you gotta help me out, or Mister Kawasaki's gonna make me commit Harry Carey. You know these Japanese management techniques. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, I was like, we didn't need that. <laughs> I, I, again, like if they'd made it more of like he was playing into a uh, a racism that the guy he was talking to had. Yeah, if this guy answered the phone and was like, hello, I hate Chinese people, what do you got to say? <laughs> and then Dade, being a mastermind, would be like, I can right. work with this. Oh, I can work with this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway. Um, and obviously, Mr. Kawasaki would be Japanese with the Harikari. Yeah. I was just... You were playing into the yeah, character. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. He said, I hate Chinese people. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll play into that. Uh, but uh, I, I did like, I did really like when he said, oh, my BLT drive is on the fritz. Really? You like that? I enjoyed that. Okay. It was a, it was a fun bit. Yeah, you're an easy sell. <laughs> I, I know what we call a mark. I am famously an easy sell and a mark. That's I have, why I have you on this show. <laughs> I have legitimately been hacked many times. Uh, are you like my mother where they're just like, hey, give us your password. We're from Microsoft. Uh, back in high school, yes, I was. I was. What were you doing? I'm surprised you had internet on the compound in high school. <laughs> I assumed you had some like North Korean net. <laughs> you could go to the VeggieTales website. Disney Plus XD. What'd you say? Disney XD. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Disney XD was too hardcore. Oh, I see. No, I will say, though, Disney XD was so not hardcore, they played actual Christian rock music videos on that network when it first came out. I remember as a, as a, as a Christian kid, like, being like, oh, man, they play Reliant K? This is the coolest. <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was such a sheltered child. But he's hacking, he's hacking, he's hacking. He's hacking up a storm. And then another hacker starts to hack him. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
uh, they they take over his monitor and they start talking to him using the same font as the you wouldn't download a car for Yes. <laughs> I forgot to put that in my note, but yeah. yeah. No, I immediately thought that. And both uh, of these hackers are only obsessed with like 50-year-old movies that are now in the public domain. That is all they want to watch. Right. And and uh, Zero announces his new moniker of, of Crash Override. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hacker says that they are called Acid Burn. Uh, and I, I love Crash's reaction to meeting another hacker in this moment. Uh, I wrote down, it's like a sheltered mutant learning that the X, about the X-Men for the first time. is like, another hacker? <laughs> we should also point out that he's in fucking New York City. Right. And he's like, what? People use computers here, too? <laughs> I mean, it's a major metropolitan area. You came from Seattle. You didn't go to fucking... Uh, Mount Pilot, North Carolina. He doesn't know. He's been off the internet for seven years. He's been on the inside. Okay. That's a very good point. I What? <laughs> maybe these things should be more obvious, at least on the second watch. <laughs> maybe maybe it shouldn't take, like, the 10th the watch to really get the subtext. <laughs> I, I, I will say, this could have been a good out for them with his accent if they yeah. said, like, Oh, this computer genius, but he's from a little village in England, and they just moved across, and they, they're already moving. Yeah. Why don't just have them move over across the pond, and now they're in New York City, and he's even more of a weirdo now. Yeah. That that could have been great, but they, uh, I, whatever. Here's, um, here's the question I have with this scene. Okay. So Acid Burn, uh, OTV, the television station, is Acid Burn's turf. Yes. One, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> and two, like, well, why Why does she give a shit? It's 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. He put on Outer Limits. Like, what? what is she doing? She's allowing right. the racist uh, program to be aired. Like, look, she, look, she likes racism. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't like racism. She does like racism. How will this odd couple get along? Oh, man. Yeah. That's the whole bit. Stephen, were you about to say something? Uh, no, no, no. I, I, we're getting like deeper spoilers when we talk about the identity of Acid Burn. I, I could speculate right. as to why she's okay with racism. Very, very true. Very true. We got to, we got to protect that. We got to protect those GCS. Yes. Yeah. So the two then have a battle over control of the TV station, literally controlling the little robots that put the teeth yeah, in. Those are my favorite characters. Fighting each. I was saying it, it's it's a montage that reminds me of the bit when uh, Richard Pryor hacks the world in Superman 3, which, again, is also spoilers because later on we find out that another hack that Richard Pryor does in Superman 3 is the main plot of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just wrote down during this bit, which goes on for a while of them having a hacker battle. It's just very hard to make typing on a computer look cool or sexy. They're trying it's very their, hard. They're trying their best. Mr. Robot did it pretty well. Did they? Okay. The one season of that I saw. Okay. I saw none of Mr. Robot. Did you watch any of Mr. Robot? I have not seen any Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the first season of Mr. Robot. So for uh, me, this is the sexiest typing I've ever seen. Like 10 out of 10. <laughs> I mean, what about what about that one uh movie with Robocop? Uh what, what was it called? Uh, everything's bugs. Everything's bugs. Yeah, that's the name of the movie. What is no, no, called? no. That's the plot of the movie. You know, it's, oh, it's naked lunch. Naked lunch. There's like a this erotic typing scene in there. Everything. <laughs> I thought that's like bad touch typing. <laughs> everything's bugs sounds like a Fantasia I don't want to see. Where it's just like everything I touch turns to maggots. 
So Fantasia is directed by Peter Capaldi. But uh, the the battle sort of ends. No, Dave gets kicked off by acid burn. Yes, he, his connection is terminated. He says, shit on me! Yep. Uh, and then we almost get a character scene between Crash and his mom, which like, in which... There's like almost some character building stuff, but they only kind of get to some banter bits. Really bad dialogue where it's like, you're a kid and I'm a mom and I'm a kid and you're a mom. And And he doesn't put his fucking Coke bottle back in the fridge. But you got to leave that out for product placement. Like if you watch the rest of the film, that Coke bottle never leaves that counter. It's just. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're both. A mess. Yeah. I will say... I have a little bit of a crush on Dade's mom. I don't blame you. But uh, with a kid like Dade, I don't think I, I could do it. I, I don't I think you could put up with him. I'm much of a troublemaker. I want him to call me dad. Mm-hmm. Daddy, preferably. Papa. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah. I will say this movie... One thing that legitimately, like, most of this movie was just like, hey, this isn't for me. There is one bit about this movie that really bothered me, is this movie has a contentious relationship with women. Just in general, like they, they they're all yeah. this and an inability to interact with them in any kind of respectful or non-sexual way. Even mm-hmm. the dialogue between him and his mom, it's all like he says she's she asks because she's worried about him getting out. She says, are you interested in girls at all? And he said, I haven't met one as charming as you yet, mother. And like there's like a bunch of like that's one of the I forget the other comment that he made, but. <laughs> It's, it's worse than that Tells her she, he's still a virgin. Yes. Oh, yeah, and I'm still a virgin, yes. mother! Uh, but Which like, I have to just assume like, he, he shouts at her every morning. It seems to be the routine. But it's just like, this. Just in, if it weren't for the rest of the movie, I would put it aside as just like, just weird, right, just weirdly chosen lines. Yeah. But the fact that it's part of a greater trend, I feel like... Probably the writer, not I don't think it's a director, but probably the writer just has like a weird relationship with women and it it made me very uncomfortable. Now in a better movie, mm-hmm. they could spin this as like it's cliche, but the nerd thing of like mm-hmm. I don't know how to talk to girls and sure. I'm sort of a dick because I'm antisocial mm-hmm. and awkward and Well, even if you read the the original Hacker's Manifesto, the first part of it is about him the, the writer of it talking about himself as being someone who was uh, had a, a lot of trouble making friends and making connections outside yeah. of his family, and that through the computer world, through the digital space, he was able to be much more confident and, m- and much more himself than otherwise. So that's not off message at, at all. Yeah, to uh, it just to doesn't come through in the actual film. No, they but definitely do not go there with. Now him. we get Dade's first day at school. Yes, uh, first day at school. Uh, we get a, another yet another montage this time of New York City. He's rollerblading all the way to school. No one walks in this movie. No <laughs> one can walk like a normal fucking human. I'm surprised Matthew Lillard doesn't come in on a, on a horse at one point. Uh, fucking Fisher Stevens parasails. Man. The horse is the way of the past, man. This is the future. 1984 is a typo, man. Horse like William S. Burroughs, the big H man. <laughs> There's a great bad movie bit where Crash is wandering through a crowd of just endless students, all of them in various, just like some of them by themselves, some of them talking to other people. 
he needs directions, and the only person he asks yeah. is someone using a payphone to call Venezuela. It doesn't Hold matter on. where they're If you have oh, to choose, like, one random person to talk to, the guy wearing double leopard print is going to be high on my list. <laughs> Not if he's using a telephone. Right. Like, he's clearly doing something else, yeah. and then is like, what an asshole. <laughs> so I'm sorry. He's like, what an asshole. <laughs> is he Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. <laughs> That's a Scottish accent. Right, yeah, yeah, because he's... What not, he's, awesome. not, he's not even Scottish. He's English. Johnny Lee Miller? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a great Scottish accent. <laughs> okay. okay. It's a, it's a, sorry, I was looking for the principal's office. And he heads to the principal's office, and here he meets Kate, as played by Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is Angelina Jolie's first ever leading role. The film is so obsessed with how hot Angelina Jolie is. The minute Crash sets eyes on her, he basically orgasms on the spot if the, yeah. if the montage is anything to go he by. He has this yeah. amazing Lichtenstein painting freak out. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Um, it's, it looks like one of those uh, uh, student films that George Luke collage student films George Lucas made uh, when he was first starting out. It's just like a barrage of, of famous uh, erotic artwork. It's obviously way back now, but uh, mm -hmm. my note was Date is apparently too hacker to put his Coke back in the fridge. <laughs> Date is too hacker to do a lot of things. Like, so much of this film is about how Dade has special hacker eyes that allow him to see the world differently from everyone else. For real, though. He's got special hacker eyes. It's, it is, it, he is kind of treated like, you know, you're, you're the... Well, he did a you're cool the, thing when he was eleven. Yeah, you're the one, Neo. You're 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 the exceptional. You're the exceptional hacker. See, you say that, but like, hot take. I don't know that you get Matrix without hackers. Oh, I I I'd be willing I, to no. I'm, I'm willing to cede that stepping stone to you. I think the Wachowskis come by and are like, we can make this into even more of a trans narrative, and then. Do you, do you see Hackers as a trans narrative? I think that it's queer-coded pretty heavily for a film from 94. I think that a lot of its attempts at, like, being inclusive come across retroactively as, like, cynical and transphobic. And yeah. Yeah. I can see flashes of it. There are definitely flashes of it, and we're about to meet one of them pretty soon. But first, we have to talk about Angelina Jolie. She was 20 when the movie came out. Uh, she's playing an 18-year-old. The movie still manages to make me feel very creepy whenever she's on screen. Yeah. Just the movie is obsessed with her on like a, a level of like uh, Michael Bay being obsessed with Megan Fox. Yeah, yeah. She's very she's very attractive, and she was they, she was. Yeah, let's get it on record. Let's sure. put it on. Let's be the ones who finally say hot takes. Hot takes. I'm gonna. I'm the last sane man in the world. I'm gonna fucking say it. Angelina Jolie is attractive. Call me Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, or whatever the fuck you want to call me. Are you triggered? I'm glad so, I was able to be here for your final podcast. We're going full John Tron. Uh, this is the one that's gonna get me killed, man. <laughs> too many truths. Too many truths. And now let us sell our protein pills. But yes. Anyway. Brainworms. Despite my problems with the way she's framed in the film, I thought she was the best actor in the movie. Sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, she's the daughter of John Voight. Apparently he was never in her life growing up, but... You know. I like to think that every time she was on set, okay, he would show up uh -huh. 
un, no one would see him. He'd be in the rafters. And he'd just be praying like a motherfucker. Oh, my God. And that allowed her to be Laura Croft. <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely creepy enough to be something John Voigt, John Voigt would do. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's, what, he's wonderful. From what I read about production, on, on yeah. set, everybody asked her about how her dad was doing, if she could oh. introduce them. And, like, most of the production, Angelina Jolie is just going around telling people to fuck off whenever they ask her about her dad. Spare. Yeah. Yeah. No, he abandoned her when she was like five. So yeah, she's she's perfectly uh allowed to do that. Hey, can you get this VHS copy of Deliverance signed for me? <laughs> <laughs> Say, you have a pretty mouth. <laughs> Everyone in this movie feels very tryhard. Yeah. And she just kind of has a sort of like natural charisma to her, which is yeah. uh which is great. I haven't seen a lot of Angelina Jolie movies, so this is like one of my first, honestly. It's probably one of my first, too. Yeah. A lot of her stuff is very mainstream, and I kind of uh, avoided it because I'm cool. an asshole. I think this but is anyway. also a good point to like jump in and talk about the fashion in the movie because sure. there's it really boggles the mind. There's a lot of like leather uh, racing jackets, there's a lot of like jewelry from the 30s that is randomly thrown yeah. in. Yeah. And like in this movie, this what? Jewelry from the thirties? I some of it, yeah. Like when I've listened, I oh. don't know exactly what it is. I think it's some of their earrings, but apparently there's like some clothing and jewelry bits which go back to the thirties. Okay. They uh, later on, you see like a big poster for Metropolitan. Yes, I think they wanted to incorporate some vintage futurism of like the Art Deco movement into like I some of the. I think you mean Metropolis. Metropolis, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, I I did notice that and I was like, I think that that must have been intentionally placed because it is that is also that's another movie that is a very specific vision of the future from a very specific point in the past. Also, public domain, also yes. public domain, which does help, which does help. Uh, but that, and that sorry, go ahead, Steve. But Jolie in the scene has this backpack that hangs down past her butt and has about eighty different zippers on it. It looks like an mm -hmm. HR Giger yeah. design. I was going to say uh, Rob Liefeld, but yeah, my favorite my favorite backpacks are H.R. Giger's backpacks <laughs> in the 90s when he decides, like, all the straps are penises. Oh, you children can have backpacks designed by me. You open up the backpack and inside there is another backpack. And inside that is there, there's another backpack. And inside that is a bunch of dicks. Oh man, his! It, I, I was so sad when his Dune theme backpack never got released. Yeah. So there. So she's uh, helping him out, let, helping him find his way around. It's here that I noticed that Johnny Lee Miller has this incredibly stiff, sort of almost pogoing walk, which I've always noticed because I I watch a lot of Elementary, so I've seen him and walk in that, and he walks the same way. I always thought that was a character choice to make Sherlock seem more like out of place apparently johnny lee miller just has one of the weirdest walks yeah so that's something i noticed aerosmith once told him to walk that way yes and johnny lee he miller heart. follows direction very well yeah that's how he got the part in hackers one of the one of the better lines in the movie uh she drops him off at his class and is about to go to her advanced english class he says oh i'm not in your class and she says no you're not in my class yeah it's real oscar wilde <laughs> It was cool. Sure. I, I it was cool the way she said it. She then, but then we get the epic prank. The epic prank. The where she wasn't even going to do it, but some no. random passerby is like, hey, tell him about the pool. Right, yeah. 
He's like, hey, there's a pool on the roof. So, well, yeah, one of the oldest pranks in the world. Oh, no, the old classic. I'm sure you had homeschool. This got played on you all the time. Oh, all the time. And all was, your younger siblings would be like, there's a pool on the and roof. And I fell for it every time, which is weird because we all lived in the same house. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you lived there longer than they did. Yeah, exactly. So you your think dad would prank you with it. I just assumed that like something had changed and they hadn't told me. And I was like, oh, we finally got that pool. Okay. We finally got if the it's pool. not there, I'm like Lucy in the football with me. Uh, uh, so he goes up to the roof and yeah. ends up being surprised at this New York public school. Yes. I assume it's public school. Could be. There is no pool on the roof because mm -hmm. it's fucking New York. Why would he want to see this pool? That's Why does he a, have such a, a good fucking hard on to see this damn pool? No, I think that Angelina Jolie makes a makes a comment that makes it sound like she's going to meet him there, and he's like already got the hots for her. So uh, he's like, okay, we, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna maybe kiss. I watched this movie twice. I took <clears throat> notes twice. Okay. I'm still asking why the fucks you want to see this pool, Stephen? Am I? Do, do you remember if it? What? Why he wanted to see the pool? A lot of my my read on like Dade's motivations are that Dade's a, a little weirdo and just sort of does things arbitrarily. He doesn't have much of an attention span. That's a super convenient characteristic. <laughs> just lilting on the wind. I don't know. I, I've known enough like engineering majors in my day that I thought maybe it was an intentional scripting decision. Maybe not. Or yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, I agree. Uh, it's a convenient out that I'm giving this movie. Yeah. The the writer met up with all these hackers and is like, "Wow, these guys are all really spacey." I'm just gonna. They all really love roof pools. <laughs> they won't stop talking about them. <laughs> Kevin Mitnick never shut the fuck up about a pool on the roof. <laughs> he eventually makes his way down from the roof and he starts uh, his plan to hack. To, to hack and stalk, stalk and uh, emotionally manipulate his way into uh, Kate's heart. Uh, while he's hacking the school systems to get himself into that advanced English class with Kate, Ramon, the kid who was calling Venezuela earlier, yes, happens to notice him hacking. And uh, he is, in terms of like coded queerness, I would say the most coded queer character. Uh, he he's. I got strong bi energy. I mean, he might be bi. Sure, he, they definitely go out. The only attraction he ever shows in the movie is to a woman once in passing, which I I just took as a don't worry. He's a weird kid. He's not a gay kid. There don't is, worry, audience. There is deleted oh, scene where he has a Venezuelan girlfriend who shows up at the end of the film, and like there's a running gag that nobody believes that she exists. That makes sense. Yeah, especially with what we see of him using phones, right? Aside from Venezuela. him being the freak, right? He's the phone freak. Yeah, and I really appreciated all the talk about phone freaking in this movie because that is the roots of hacking, phone hacking. And as a no, uh, just any hacking, like phone freaks were the original. Okay, I don't know anything about this. this so of it. it's not important because this episode is already going to be super fucking long. Sure, but. Phone freaking is a tradition. Like, it's an important route. Uh, it's mm -hmm. part of the Anarchist Cookbook. I think it's even in Steal This Book by Abby Hoffman. Oh, nice. I'm not sure about that. Mm -hmm. uh, both of these things I read when I was a young man. But uh, it's definitely a part of Anarchist Cookbook. So it's... Yes. Phone freaking is an important 
hat tip that this movie, especially because these are the days of dial-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all still phone-based. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they're the, the most important thing to all these hackers throughout the movie is where can we get a phone line that we can use, which was an interesting blast from the past for me. I hadn't thought about that in years. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so Ramon is, is very coded queer, but apparently uh, that was supposed to lead to a punchline that got cut out. Uh, which is disappointing, but uh, he's he's inviting Crash to meet him at some club. Cyberdelia, Cyberdelia, who's like an amateur hacker, who's like, oh man, I gotta get a handle. I'm nothing without a handle. I'm not nothing without a handle. Oh, he's really the Henry Hill of this movie. What? Well, who's Henry Hill? Goodfellas, Ray Liotta's character. Okay, I always wanted to be a hacker. That's, you know, that's exactly. That's exactly who he is. So he's asking, he's, a, he's asking, oh, so every hacker has a handle. We've been talking about their handles. And since we're we're watching this movie, we're getting really in-depth with the hacker culture. Uh, this is a grand opportunity for us to all realize our dreams, because I know each one of us wants to be a hacker. Yep. Dreaming of this utopian future, Stephen says it. So let's let's come up with some hacker handles. What are, what are we what are we thinking of? of or what are, what are going to be our hacker monikers? I've Brad, got, what do you think? I've got a couple ideas. Okay, one, drag and drop Douglas. Drag and drop Douglas. Okay. Two, mm-hmm. number punch. Number punch. I like it. And three, computers with a interrobang, which is a mm-hmm. question mark with the exclamation point inside of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are my three. I like that. I like that. Steven, what, what, what have you got I in terms of... I was thinking 404 or Cringe Lord. 404 or Cringe Lord. Uh-huh. I like that. I like that. Uh, I only came up with one, but I came up with the perfect one, so I don't I don't need any more other options. Uh, Blueberry Death Cuddle. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just rolls off the tongue. Just it's, rolls off the tongue. Yeah. It came, I, I, I plumbed the depths of my soul and, and looking for my truth, you, and it came out. You hacked into your heart. I did. And found, you guessed your heart's password. I did. Which was sex. <laughs> and yes, this is the truth you found. This is the truth I found, yes. It was it was, it was either going to be sex, love, God, or... Secret. Or, or secret, yeah, exactly. Um... So, so yeah, at, at Cyberdelia, at Cyberdelia, we run into star of Twin Peaks: The Return, Love's Labor's Lost, and All's Fair in Love, Matthew Lillard. Yep, who is hawking a compilation tape called "The Greatest Zooks Album," compiled exclusively of artists who choked on their own vomit. You can't get this in stores, man. That's yeah, impressive. I like that one. No, yeah, great impression. I'm yeah. glad you fucking blew out the mic. Um, <laughs> But I fucking hate this character. Like, I, yeah. I want reparations. What? Is it just that he's chewing the scenery so much? Or is it like... Just like that. And he looks like he's the son of Willem Dafoe <laughs> in Streets of Fire. Who it's like when your dad just walks around the house and like tit high pleather overall. Yeah. Like, how the fuck do you rebel from that? You rebel yeah. by wearing pigtails all the time. Pigtails, and like, I just... Later he says, look at that pooper, and I yes, hate that. Instead of, talking, instead of saying, look at that butt, or look at that ass, he says, look at that pooper! Just the way he says things. Yeah. So fucking Matthew Lillard. It's very Matthew Lillard. And it's like, that's... I used to be annoyed by Matthew Lillard's style of humor and Then you comedy. heard the good news that Matthew Lillard had returned? <laughs> right, yeah. When I, when I was younger, and like, if for some reason, as I get older the more and more appreciative I get of Matthew Lillard. Your parents always told you that this would happen, but you didn't <laughs> believe them. 
That's exactly right. They were like, someday you'll understand the comedic genius. <laughs> They're watching Scooby Doo 2, Monsters Unite, or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I will say uh, Matthew Lillard agrees with you. Yeah. He hates his performance in this movie. Good. He's okay. Well, not conflicted about my murder plans. It's like, I don't know what I was doing. And every time someone comes up to me and says, hackers, I'm like, really? Uh, but uh, apparently that happens to him when he goes into the Apple store almost exclusively. Oh, that's uh, odd. That sounds like a fake story. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I will I, I think that his character's name is Serial Killer. Serial mm-hmm. felt like Fruit Loops. Yeah, because uh, he's crazy. Because he's nuts. But uh, I... Uh, as I've already talked about how Matthew Lillard got to be a part of this movie, I just think that his performance of this character, like the Zooks bit, I think would, wouldn't work with any other actor. I think it would come off as tasteless and, and gross. The energy he puts into it, to me, makes it work and made me laugh. Maybe I don't like this character because aside from the annoying way of talking, <laughs> this might have been like me in high school, like quoting Ginsburg and like... Shit like that. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, that was fucking Dade. I'm Dade. You're Dade. I'm, st- I'm sorry. False alarm. False alarm, everybody. I'm Johnny Lee Miller. He is the one who has a whole bunch of, like, uh, anarchist hacker books that he, like, tests Dade on later Yeah, that's on. a fucking... We'll talk about that one. Okay. There. Uh, but at Cyberdelia, which has a rollerblading slash skateboard ramp, which... Again, it, this is the, the Foot Ninja's lair from the TMNT. Yeah. The future and, we were promised. Right, yeah, indoor skate park that also has gigantic immersive video games. It's with no that, line, there's just one with no, giant cast. No line in <laughs> real life. Johnny Lee Miller would have been in traction because he would have run into thirty fucking people. <laughs> yeah, he just he just but instead he just rolls right up to that game where he sees Angelina Jolie dressed up as what did I what did I say dressed up as seventies Buck Rogers. Here's another, like the cops not shooting the dog. Here's another bit of verisimilitude where the movie loses things. Okay. Presumably, this is a 21 and under club. Sure. Where are all the creepy dudes trying to scam on underage chicks? Or, Mm -hmm. I suppose, barely legal chicks. I I think, again... I guess that's Lord and Icon. (laughs) We can assume maybe everybody's been held back about six years. I think though I think that is part of like the the sort of like utopian idealism of the film is that there is a place where kids can just get away yeah. from themselves as opposed to the real world where there's like nowhere that they can get away from adults fucking with them. So Kate is playing a video game. Yes. And of course she has to be the best at it because yep. what's hotter than a girl who plays video games? Right. And Crash decides to be sexist. He's like, oh, you're good for a girl, but yeah, I can perfect. beat you. And he beats her high score. And Ramon tells him, you've made an enemy for life. Here's here's a couple things. Okay. Uh, one, Angelina Jolie storms off like a child. Yes, she does. With her uh, completely superfluous and entirely yeah. without any kind of charisma any, boyfriend. Uh, Curtis! Curtis, that's Curtis. right. I heard that, Curtis. No, no point in the story whatsoever. Yeah. Aside from at one point, Angelina Jolie needs to be having sex with someone. Mm-hmm. So she goes into a room and that she could have been looking for something. Literally. After they leave the club, she and Curtis are making out on the motorcycle. And he asks Ramon, what does Curtis do? He's like, that. 
Which is, you know what? A nice bit of meta writing. Yeah, sure. But in this scene, I think it's clear that both Miller and Angelina Jolie were told like, yeah, the background music's going to be really loud. So you guys got to shout. You guys got to really shout. It's going to be bumping in here. Because they are screaming their lines. Yeah. And as she she rides off on Curtis's motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And she's too cool and pretty to put her helmet on. Of course. So she holds it. Behind her, oh very God. uncomfortably and very unsafely, because I feel like she should be holding on to him or some sort of bar. This is how New York City hackers do it. She was That's their hockey team, the New York City hackers. See, what you don't see is that she was winding up to smash the skull of a PA just off camera who wouldn't stop asking for John Voight's autograph. Tell us the status of the baby genius's script. <laughs> All the John Foyt fans got a shout. It was it was in Variety since like ninety two. Yeah, like yeah. baby geniuses, it's mm-hmm. coming. It was like the, John Voight set to star. It was like the Mask sequel in Duke Nukem Forever. It just got kept getting pushed back, yep. pushed back, pushed back. But Dade is planning a righteous hack, mm-hmm. not a righteous hack, a pretty cool hack, like a George Michael hack. <laughs> First, uh, he gets revenge on Angelina Jolie by setting off the sprinklers on the entire school. Yeah, this is his hack. Which I thought was needlessly dickish. It's needlessly dickish, but also I don't understand. Like, Angelina Jolie gets all huffy about it. And it's like, Mm -hmm. again, why the fuck do you care? Right. And then there's there's the one bit of... uh, Aside from the fact that now her conveniently white shirt mm -hmm. is now wet. Right, and that's and this is where we get the only bit of remaining. Oops, no homo for Ramon is where like a girl wanders by in a white t shirt during the is like oh yeah oh, hey look, but even even then the actor does not seem all that interested. It's, Day just uh, needs to assert like, himself as the alpha hacker. He is the dominant. He is pissed all yeah. over this territory, and now it's his. Kate is also pissed off because she then learns that uh, Dade snuck into her advanced lit class. Which she should be angry that he is stalking her. Right. No, that she's absolutely in the right here. And then there's a, a very pointless bit, which I imagine... This whole scene is pointless. ...was, well, it at least communicates the point that he's in her class now. The really pointless bit, which I guess if you want more Matthew Lillard like I did, it gives you that if you don't, like you didn't, this is horrible, is Matthew Lillard saying, wait, is this not shop class? Because he's also not supposed to be there. We also learned that he is apparently extremely Jewish because his name is Emmanuel Goldstein. This this whole scene is hilarious to me. It's one of my favorites in the series. It's actually like one of the rare cases where it's a little ahead of its time. Because you can see, like, Dade, Serial, and Kate have all written something on the board. And they all have totally different fonts. And, like, you can only see it for a second, but Serial has written out everything in, like, alternate Haxor language. Yeah, I saw that. And oh, I did not ha- notice that at all. Kate has second. this hugely elaborate, like, skater font, like the sort of thing you'd carve into your desk in middle school. And I imagine it took them about 20 minutes to add all these flourishes to their quotes, and everybody just sat there patiently and watched. That is the self-absorption level of all three of these characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, so then we we cut to what I call hacker hacker book club, mm-hmm. where the Joey's double fisting cigarettes. Yeah, Joey's double fisting them cigarettes. They're sitting in in a uh, 
uh, at a table in a now very quiet. Uh, yeah, Cyberdelia. Cyberdelia. They're all there. And yeah, again, like I mentioned earlier, Serial Killer is showing all of his uh, his uh, hacker books to Johnny Lee Miller and seeing to and see if Miller, he knows them to test John, his knowledge. Jade Murphy is such a good hacker mm-hmm. that if you show him a book, mm-hmm. he can tell you what it is. If you show this motherfucker a book with a man with a pink shirt on it, he right. can say that's the pink shirt book. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of He's so fucking hacking. Goodwill hunting the scene is not. <laughs> Although now I'm obsessed with the idea of Johnny Lee Miller with this accent playing Will Will Hunting and just, just you like apples? How do you like them apples? Uh, really cuz I'm picturing him as a rain man now. <laughs> I could definitely, I honestly, could I unironically see someone casting Johnny Lee Miller as as, as uh, Dustin Hoffman's part in Rain Man and something. That is the nicest way you could have phrased that. <laughs> I, I just think it would be a good part. There was a lot of politically incorrect things you could have said. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to okay, praise you. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, they're they're discussing what they're doing. Joey's trying to be cool with the cool kids. He's like, "Oh, I hacked into a bank and all this stuff." And they're all like, "Did it from his house?" They're That's ragging on him. Not what you do. And yo, know, you never hack it from your house. Where are you, an idiot? Universe. And they say, stupid. "Well, you got." What you say? I said, "Universally stupid, man." Universally yes. stupid. Like what you got to do is you got to pull a really righteous hack. Mm-hmm. Do they ever go into like what the criteria for a righteous hack entails? Um, three miracles. <laughs> Confirmed. Um, oh shit! No, that's sainthood. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say that overcomplicates things. Is I another thing that I wanted to talk about? If, we, if we're going to be hackers, we need to talk about like what kind of righteous hacks we got. Yeah. And miracles is a bit outside of my pay grade. So your, 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 David Lynch connection, your David Lynch connection for this movie is that there's a bunch of yeah. patches on uh, Matthew Lillard serial killers like giant trench coat, and you yeah. can barely see it, but on the back of it, there's like a giant patch of Frank from Blue Velvet. It was cut off of a t-shirt and part of the graphic is also the text don't you fucking look at me. Do you think this is why he's in the return? Do you think David Lynch saw hackers is like oh, Sonny Boy's a fan! <laughs> I've wondered that since I learned this. It's like, like, I hear you like my pictures. When I made Blue Velvet, I, I had an image in my brain of, 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 of Dennis Hopper's face on a coat and I could never make it work in a movie, but but this genius, this genius in the, in the, in the pigtails, he, he made it happen. He made it happen. Frank Booth's original name was The Plague. <laughs> I would have been, I would not have been surprised because the original idea for Frank Booth is that he wouldn't have been sucking on what he's actually sucking on in the movie. He would have been sucking on helium. helium. So all of his threatening lines would have been really high pitch. It wouldn't have surprised me at all if they had uh, repeated that idea re- recycled that idea for fisher stevens character in this movie and just had him be like fear uh, not it is i i am here like that would have been just the weird fucking thing that his character would have done speaking of which that night to prove that he is in fact an elite hacker joey goes to hack the gibson a a Infamously difficult computer to hack into. I named guess. after cyberpunk godfather William Gibson. Of yes, yes. Uh, we get a big montage, and this is when we get into the practical effect I was talking about earlier. We did see a bit of it in the opening title sequence. Uh, throughout several scenes when they're hacking, specifically when they hack the Gibson, it's visualized by this shot of them going down, basically a Star Wars trench run through a gigantic circuit board. Yeah. 
CGI was not a thing at the time, really. Like it existed. Did but it they wasn't do the Escape from New York thing where they built it out of styrofoam and like lit it up? Well, I don't know about what they built it out of, but this, they did make a practical set of a of a circuit board and literally like just had a camera like fly through the bit and shot all this. Uh, basically b-roll footage of this of this uh, cyberpunk cityscape that they included in the film I took the effect for granted when I saw the film just like I didn't even think about it in the world of where we live in where CGI is so ubiquitous yeah it's easy to let things like that slide but they had to put a lot of work into making that look as good as it actually does and again as I said in the opening when I first mentioned this practical effect, it's incredibly impressive. I don't know why it's there. It doesn't really do much for the movie in general. Well, actually, I do know why it's there. The director, and this is where I want to get into the director's bit for a second. The director had no interest in making this movie. But he was good start. But he was given a script <laughs> that allowed him to film in nightclubs, as Steven said. And he was like, hey, that's enough. And he was like, hey, I made the Beatles biopic based on my love of the 60s. I really loved that source material. I don't have any connection to this. But what if I envision the 90s are the 60s? What if George Harrison had an iMac? And the hackers, instead of being hackers, because I don't understand what the hell that is, the hackers are 60s rock stars. The director liked about the 90s was fetish mm -hmm. clubs. Yes. Well, there's elements of that in here. There is a lot of elements of that movie. There's a lot of that. Especially, yeah. Wait, was the well, who who wrote the Hellbound Heart? Clive, Clive Barker. Barker. Was, was the director Clive Barker? No, no. This would be a much better film if the director was Clive be way Barker. Better if was, oh my god, I want to see Clive Barker's hackers. Oh man, the computer would have been made out of blood. We have such hacks uh, to show you. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so he so he's just coded specifically the character played by Fisher Stevens, who's played who's called Plague, who's introduced in the scene. He the plague the plague. He went out and he did all the research he was supposed to do. He took skateboarding classes. He took typing classes. He met with other hackers. He showed up on set and was introduced to his costume, which I believe he described as like a vampire. <laughs> and he was like, "Why am why what what what's going on?" They're like, "This is how you're." And the director had this idea that in order for him to understand the script, because he had no idea what he was doing, he was like, I, I'll just imagine for my sake, and I'll film it this way, that the all of the hackers are actually 60s rock stars, the plague is Jim Morrison, and uh, whenever they're hacking, they're not hacking, they're doing LSD. And he said that he took. Why isn't this movie better? <laughs> and he said that he took inspiration for the hacking scenes from the ending of 2001: A Space Odyssey and wanted to make them feel like, uh, oh my God, they're full of stars, like okay. that that sort of moment. Uh, which is why he created all of these weird visuals with like going traveling through the circuit board and the flashing and lights and the all equations the through that? the time tunnel. Yes, all that stuff. It's been a hot minute. Is any of that in 2001? I mostly remember him like popping Mr. Pib cans and this somehow shuts down Hal. He goes through a Stargate. He goes through a psychedelic. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. So, like, after yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, after he kills his best friend. Did you think I meant that he hacks the planet in 2001? I was trying to think what hacking there was in 2001, <laughs> and they did fight a supercomputer. So it seemed like maybe. David, you're not elite enough to hack me. Oh, no, poor 
he's he's trying to hack into the system, and this receives the ire of uh, Pendulette. Yep. Uh, who was took a, a break from doing magic for six minutes to be in this movie. Pendulette's was a weird get. One of the hackers that they had working on the movie as a consultant invited Pendulette to be in the movie. Oh, okay. Because they were friends. Because when hacking first became a thing, Pendulette put out a announcement to say, any hackers, hack into my computer and find the instructions on how to meet me and had a hacker meet up. Oh, cool. Became friends with all these hackers way before uh, they became a little more mainstream. So Pendulette was just a big fan of the hacker culture and he got to be in the movie. That's neat. So this is the character where I, the plague. Yes. Not Pendulette. Yes. Who is a fucking fulcrum of this movie. Yeah, he's barely in the movie at all, so it's really weird that there's so much behind-the-scenes material about Pendulette being in the movie. Well, actually, I'll talk about the plague once he's more introduced. Okay, but yeah, he but uh, Pendulette picks up the phone and says, Oh, gotta call the plague, and then the plague is introduced, and you can talk about it. <laughs> The plague is a character, the most confusing character, because I have no clue whether mm-hmm. the movie thinks he's cool, right? Whether the, we're supposed to think he's cool, right? Whether we're supposed to think he's intimidating, or scary. Whether like is he supposed to be like lame as hell because he works for a corporation, or is he supposed to be like I don't fucking get it? I like, will I say can't. you do not cast Fisher Stevens if you're looking for an intimidating presence. No, no, that's true. Yeah. That hairline is hella beta male. <laughs> okay. I was just saying he's a comedic actor, so you cast him to play a part comedically. That's what I was saying, too. Right. Okay, sure. All right. Uh, what? But yeah, I, I, I waffled back and forth on the plague in this movie. Half the time I was like, oh, I need this guy to shut up. And half the time I was just laughing my ass off in a a very entertained whenever he was on screen. I wrote when he first entered, this is like an SNL sketch character idea for the god of the internet. Yeah. Like, you you need to hone in on that, because that is like the heart and soul of Hackers right there. He gets called up to the office. Yeah. His Jetsons doors slide open. Yes. Comes rolling in on a skateboard wearing, like, full furs and an old-timey saloon vest. Rolls (laughs) up to, like, Pendulette, where they have, like... A see-through neon green duo yeah. tandem keyboard so they can hack at the same time, Pacific Rim ah. style. <laughs> That's exactly right. And uh, the movie was almost even weirder. Plague, the original idea for Plague was that he would be played by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, so what the fuck that would have been. But they wouldn't let him say the N-word, so he didn't want to do it. <laughs> right, exactly. He didn't want to do it, and and Billy Crystal didn't want to did, <laughs> didn't want to do it without being a, in bringing the brown face boy. Fisher's there. Did he bring the shoe polish? <laughs> no. I Let not. me see what baby Josh Gad's doing. Now this also has like one of my favorite lines, which is said with absolute conviction. He walks up and he says, "My name is the Plague." But shortly after that, he turns to Petulette and he calls him a hapless techno weenie without a hint yeah, of irony. That's right. He does say those words. <laughs> he does say those words exactly as you said them, trippingly on the tongue. And uh, uh, as another reference to the 60s and, and 60s drug rock and, and stuff like that, uh, Joey's computer is named Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a uh, special connection with Lucy. He kisses her. He does. Her. He makes yeah. out with her. Yeah. Uh, but he he manages to download a garbage file, which is depicted in a in this very similar way. Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, to the chest in Pulp Fiction, like it's just a magical uh, file yeah. full of 
a lot of the number pi for some reason. All of the codes flying by the screen. It's a sacred pi. number. It is a sacred number. I want to say something. Mm-hmm. If this movie were made in the 80s, Joey would be the main character. Ooh. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Joey would be the hapless loser who doesn't mm-hmm. quite get it, mm-hmm. but stumbles on something big. And now right. he's embroiled in this whole thing. And he would have been played by Ralph Macchio. Sure. Yeah. Or one of the Corys. <laughs> I'm nothing without a handle. Yeah. Or one of the Corys. You no, know, one of the Corys would be good, too. Yeah. No, the, the two Corys would be like the they just have the two actors who played the Frog Brothers and Lost Boys <laughs> just be the two hackers. And they're like. It's like, you have to pull off a really righteous hack. They then go, uh, we then are introduced to another member of the hacker club. uh, When uh, the gang goes to uh, watch TV with their friend, Lord Nikon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while he's there, just just a little, we get the first instance of a running gag that won't bring up again, probably. Matthew Lillard's character, serial killer, is always asking to stay with people. This is actually a weird, like, later addition to the movie. Matthew Lillard came on. They were encouraged to bring items from home and just like sort of add, make additions to their own wardrobe. Yeah. He came in with a toothbrush. Oh, that's why he's always he was brushing car- his teeth. He was teeth. carrying a toothbrush everywhere and brushing his teeth and stuff. And they asked him I why. I thought it was because he was a member of Ali's gang. <laughs> <laughs> Ali's always getting blamed for things he didn't do. But yeah, so he. Oh, they should have got Muhammad Ali to hack. Oh, my God. Should have had boxing gloves when he does it. <laughs> It's like strong bad. <laughs> Ali's emails. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Muhammad Ali, how do you type with boxing gloves on your hand? <laughs> but uh, he, they asked him and he said, well, in my head, my backstory for a serial killer is that his his parents are just like awful people and he's never sure where he's going to be sleeping tonight at any particular night. So he's always got his, his toothbrush with him. And uh, the director thought that was such a cool detail that they just added a couple of extra scenes they're sure. like hey just have have a bit where he's constantly asking people to stay with to stay with them so that's where that bit came from and i thought that was neat cool uh it is weird like the movie like clearly uh, there's a lot of passion and love from uh, steven about this movie brad and i had a much less positive experience and i kind of looked at it as something like it's at first like sort of a cash grab film but there clearly was a lot of passion and love for the ideas of this movie behind the scenes and I think that is something to be admired. The cast had like one comment, like when we got to this part of the scene, which I thought was was interesting, which is that Lorison Mason, the guy who played in an icon, yeah. Apparently, at the time, there was a list of like the top twenty killers in Hollywood. These were like primarily black actors who had been killed the most, or like killed other people the most on camera. Yeah. And he was on this list before he was twenty five. He thought oh. this was a breakout role because the first time he was able to play somebody who yeah. like wasn't just a victim or wasn't just a generic assailant, and yeah. a lot of them thought that the casting in this film was like unusually um, uh, representative. Sure, sure. And again, like you, you've been bringing up, it's hard to put ourselves back into that mid '90s mindset yeah. where it's like, oh, there's a black computerman. Yeah, this is groundbreaking. That that is not legit. since Superman three. Yes. Right. Yeah, not since Superman 3. And even in Superman 3, they had to write in a whole backstory of, like, he doesn't know why he's good at computers. He just kind of is. But, yeah, no, that is legitimately cool for the time. But, yeah, so uh, but they're watching TV and they see an interview with hacker enemy number one and certified boner Richard Gill. Uh, Played by Wendell Pierce from The Wire. Oh, is he? 
Yeah. Well, he does a good job. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, very silly in this movie. But they're watching the TV because there's a somehow they know it's going to be on at this time. But it's a pirate TV show. So I don't know how you know when that's going to be on. Called Hack the Planet. Hack the Planet. With Razor and Blade. Razor and Blade. Who are either lovers or brothers. I'm not sure which. Could be both. Could be both. Or Why they, limit them? That's. I think I'm going to limit them for that one. <laughs> okay. Fascist. Razor, of course, lost his original partner, Toka. <laughs> uh, and of course, and this is probably the best detail in the entire movie in terms of like youth culture. Speaking to the youths. Oh, the Jolt Cola? The show is sponsored by Jolt Cola. It's not sponsored. Well, they say sponsored. Yeah, yeah. but it's not actually. They're being facetious. Yeah. Right. I just wanted you to understand the subtext of okay. the film right. that me and Steven are operating on. Right, right. I They're I a bunch it. of jokesters. All are hackers it, have an obscene amount of disposable income to begin with and have literally nothing better to do with their time. Yeah. And they say, remember, hacking isn't just a crime, it's a survival technique, which is another quote directly from the, the manifesto. Ranking manifesto. Uh, and oh, then in another quote, they they talk about uh, the evil of charging for a service that should be free. Yeah, They're talking about telephones. Well, one of the quintessential hacker uh, idioms, ideas, beliefs is information wants to be free. Yes, so it's I completely agree with that. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, we we then cut back to Joey. Oh well. Yeah, we cut back to Joey, who is uh, taking a shower while wearing headphones like a monster. Yeah, he has a little bit of uh, a like shower cap over his headphone bits. Well, he he it's clearly he put them over the headphone bits, but they've already they're already falling off by the yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's them. not a fucking good idea on any. No. That's why Joey's our lovable hero. Right. And then he's immediately arrested for the heinous act. Yes. There's By one, Mr. Michael Pierce. Yes. There's like one framing thing in the shot, which I really like, which is that there's like a Spock and Bones towel that Joey uses. And for like a large portion of the scene, it's in the foreground and it's positioned in a way to make it look like Spock is giving Joey side eye as he's singing in the shower. That's what they call, that's what you call mise-en-scene. Yeah. yeah. That's, what you, that's what you call that. Richard Gill arrives. He's, he, he, as you said, he's the one who arrested Joey. His his man Ray, his second in command Ray, tells him that they've seized an uncorrupted hard drive. And Gill says, "Speak English," which was so stupid it made my brain fall out of my yeah, head. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let me let me let me uh, tag me in. Okay. I'm going to take this over for you. Go for it. Uh, two fucking stupid things about that. <laughs> one, he is a Secret Service agent investigating computer crime. Not only that, he's a hacker enemy number one, according yeah. to Matthew Lillard. He should know literally anything about computers. Mm -hmm. the stupid thing number two, this exchange happens 80 fucking times in the movie <laughs> where someone goes, it's a computer. What? Speak English. It computes things. Thank you. Rabbits, cancer, what is happening? <laughs> oh, God, Lorraine Bronco. That's a whole other kettle of fish that we're going to be getting into. There's a fish in the computer. Hmm. We then cut to the plague in a meeting with um, uh, Margot, this woman who's very antagonistic towards him. And, and the Duke Ellingston. Duke, Duke Ellingston? That's his name. Oh, my God. I missed that somehow. Uh, but a whole bunch of people in work at this uh, this big conglomeration corporate. At a Zaibatsu Corp or whatever Zai the fuck. <laughs> sure. They, they work for the Umbrella Corporation. Yes. And... Uh, 
they're all sitting there and he reveals that Joey and these this and his accomplices, whoever they are, have created a virus, virus called da Vinci, Vinci, which is programmed to go out and find robot oil tankers, which I don't think even existed in the 90s. And up and basically upend them. Just just have them stink in the ocean and cause their ecological devastation for miles. Good plot. Good threat. Yeah. Good threat. What were you saying, Stephen? Nothing, nothing. It's it's, we're getting a little ahead, but as we established like a minute later, there is no manual control on any vehicles in this this nineties that never happened. I thought that was a great detail where it's like, we're too reliant on technology. Now let's jerk off over technology. But uh, and they repeat a fact, a fact that they said earlier in the film that the four most commonly used passwords are love, secret, sex, and God. In real life, in the four most commonly used passwords as of 2020 were one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, picture one and password. And I have to imagine that they were the same passwords in the 94. I can't imagine that we've evolved that much as a species. I only use one password. Uh huh. Blumpkin 007 exclamation point. No 69s or 420s thrown in there. I'm an adult. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. You, yeah, I, I deserve You're it. lucky I don't leave. <laughs> but Margot is played by Lorraine Bracco, who, in a movie of bad performances, somehow manages to outshine. God bless this woman for going above and beyond. Giving the worst performance of the movie. So. It's, yeah. And she's, she's uh, like, she's fairly... Yeah, she is good. Like, she's a psychiatrist in The Sopranos, oh, right? Oh, yeah. She's Dr. Melody. Yeah. She's one of my favorite characters. She was in Goodfellas. Uh, she was... She is capable. Right. And in this movie, she just decided not to give a shit. I wonder why. <laughs> I could be working with Marty Scorsese right now. And also, for some reason, every single scene she's in, she is dubbed and is the worst dubbing job you have ever seen in your life. It's just awful. I did not notice it. I no. guess I just assumed it was terrible acting. It adds to the roboticness of her performance because nothing that she says sounds real because it's really not. It's her in a studio later on trying to match up uh, to the footage. And most of the time, she you can't even see her mouth moving when yeah. she's doing it. I did not know that, but that is funny. It is really funny. But Plague, of course, is lying because we know Joey. Joey's a good kid. He's our protagonist. Yeah, he double fists cigarettes. He double fists cigarettes. Uh, no, no one smokes two cigarettes at a time who is not trustworthy. No. Abraham Lincoln's. Nobody. Both listening a man who smoked two cigarettes at the same time and the man who said that phrase. Nobody's better at fisting a cigarette than Joey. Uh, but Joey is. That's what course, it says on his tombstone. It's, yes. <laughs> But he died right after this movie. <laughs> he was hit by a subway at Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie's wedding. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. there was a subway just cutting right <laughs> through their wedding. Right. Poor Joey, the character of Joey, not the actor. Some <laughs> bizarre, horrifying thing where the movie was so real he came to life. I mean, it's Brad said it himself. It's those blood rights you need to do if you're going to get into like the upper echelons of Hollywood. <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller went a little too far with his fucking Lovecraftian shenanigans. Uh, but yeah, Joey hasn't been in sinking oil tankers. That'd be crazy. The plague has. Also, let's let's take a minute to talk about how involved the virus for Da Vinci is. Sure. It involves a, a model, a CGI model of Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, Stephen. No, no, there was an actor. They hired an actor to stand in for their illegal virus. 
someone do mocap. The plague went out and bought a mocap suit. And here, here's the best part of all this. Here's the best part of all this. Is this was like a plan B that he threw together at the last minute to just like, oh shit, someone's in, someone has the information. I need to hire an actor, get a mocap suit, render this. He's the best, folks. He's, He's the best. best. It's like, and he, you know, he killed that actor because he can't, he can't have a trait. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, like Putin's plastic surgeon. You got to kill that. You got to kill him. Yeah. But yeah, he, so, so essentially in that garbage file that Joey got, there's some sort of information that he doesn't want getting out. And so in order to get the FBI to arrest Joey and give him the hard drive, he had to make up a scenario where he needed to get the hard drive to save the world. Fucking Occam's razor. Fucking the most obvious solution is the right one. You know, I got to say the first draft of Book of Henry was so much better than what we that's ended a up reference. With. Yeah, it bears mentioning, like after this meeting, they have to go and loudly discuss their criminal plans in the middle of an escalator, yes. which happens in a lot of movies. To be yes, honest. yes. But it, it is it is a very hacky thing. I'm surprised. Do you think? The plague, not Fisher Stevens, is annoyed by stairs and escalators because he can't skateboard down them. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's seen. Like I'm surprised that uh, Zaibatsu Corp didn't like install. Fucking oh my god, ramps, ramps for him. Like <laughs> just like one big. Like it'd be Google. Great. It would have been fucking Google. Oh my god, they literally just cut and he's like, oh my god, I gotta get these downstairs, and they cut to just a spiral ramp. He's just going down all. 50 flights of stairs. Google is what happened. Special tubes designed just for this man. <laughs> the plague is just Trevor Moore's character from that one Scrumbly Bubbles sketch. It's just... Uh, rest in power, Trevor Moore. Anyway. Google, Google is just what happens when the plague becomes CEO. Mm. We then... Uh, if, if you hadn't gotten enough of the Hacker's Manifesto at this point, we cut to an FBI agent actually reading it. The only thing that's actually communicated about the plot in this scene is that Joey is being watched by the FBI, but they can't actually watch him doing anything because his mom's grounded him. Also, the FBI agent Ray is played by Latin superstar Mark Antony. Is that... I? That's true. Okay. I, I don't know who Mark Antony is. Have you heard of Mark Antony? I've heard of him. I don't remember what he did for the life of me. I, all I know is I believe he was married to Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. Cool. And he is a Latin superstar. Good for him. Good Much for him. like my brain wife, Rosie Perez. <laughs> Your brain wife. Yep. They, they read pretty extensively from the Hacker Manifesto, which uh, Mark Antony thinks is pretty cool. Yeah. And the, the, the bald white guy reading it says, nah, it's commie garbage. Uh, they're doing more research trying to find out who Joey's accomplices are. They find out about Crash, and he hands a file, and someone hands a file to the plague, and he says, Ew, hard copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd much prefer a floppy disk get. Oh, but floppy disks do get their time to shine later. Oh, yeah. But so they 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 burst into Crash's home in a moment that must have felt very uh, nostalgic for Crash. And instead of arresting him, they just break into his house and they're like, let's sit down and talk. And again, here's where I I once read this book that I enjoyed well enough as a high school student, early college student called Guns, Drugs and Monsters. Mm -hmm. And in it. 
uh, it's a character, Cal McDonald, who has apparently been in a bunch of stuff by the same author. Mm -hmm. But at one point, he's going into a teenage boy's room as part of his investigation. And he there's this bit in the book where it's like he the kid has a bong and he picks it up and he hits it. And the writing's like, yeah, this will make him respect me or think I'm cool. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you misunderstand kids. Yeah. So I get a lot of that vibe from this, like, yeah, I'm going to come into your room and I'm going to be like sort of cock of the walk, but yeah. you're going to think I'm a cool contemporary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's definitely like trying to, uh, I think though that it is a little bit intentional in this. I think in this scene it is. Okay. At least on, on a script level, if not, if not a direction level, because like, the, yeah, he, the plague comes in. He calls the the uh, FBI agent uh, a, a a moron or something. Yeah, like that. Uh, and, he, and he's and he's like, you know, you, you and me, we're the same. And we get this sort of idea that the plague is uh, sort of the Joker to uh, Crash's Batman. There's like a sort of like two sides of the same coin situation going on, where they're both incredibly skilled. With computers, mm -hmm. you can't really call the plague a hacker, but like, uh, at least not a white hat hacker, maybe a black hat hacker. But oh, look at you with terminology. Yeah. That's the one bit. That's the one bit of terminology I know. But uh, and only because Kaylee told me about it last night. <laughs> but but, uh, but there, I'm married to someone cool. I'm not cool. But uh, they're they're uh, they're talking about this stuff, and the philosophy that he basically espouses is this sort of very uh, one exceptional human idea yeah. whereas that the hacking manifesto is this very sort of egalitarian idea about yeah. society he has this idea about like we hackers are the ubermensch yeah he it's every he literally says every man is a country unto himself but we can make an alliance for now we, if yeah. we want which is a great sell which is a great sell to be like hey i'm a giant asshole with right basically Let's make a tie. It's still very on the nose, very sort of silly writing that was written by a man who wrote a Stephen King sequel. Yes. But like it's like you can see where what he the yeah, idea there are the, flashes. The concepts at play are good ones. There are flashes. Yeah. Like I said, I love the phone freaking. I love the bits of the manifesto. <laughs> I love this idea of like, yeah, you can turn your skills to not be about freeing information, be <laughs> about serving the highest bidder. But again, the movie doesn't lean into that. Sure, and I there. I feel the scene does end on a good button. I like it. I I, I I like the way the scene ended because Crash doesn't buy what the plague is selling, and the plague, acting like the petulant asshole that he is, uh, when when confronted with something that might prove that he's not quite the uh, the slick customer that he thinks he is, responds with rage and just picks up a baseball bat and smashes crashes uh stereo stereo which to which crash has oh just like do the right thing oh my god <laughs> the parallels the parallels your your mind wife rosie perez <laughs> crash override was the 199 what was this 94 95 yeah, 96 95 95 radio rahim i Spike okay. Lee said it himself i'm sure spike lee famously recorded the commentary for hackers <laughs> yes he did <laughs> Like now, Rosie Perez didn't want to be nude for this thing. But I was like, you should do it. <laughs> yeah, they just took the commentary from oh, do the right, do the right thing, and they still they still have Chuck D like introducing people as like Joale Lee. 
that's a deep cut if you've listened to the Criterion Collection commentary for uh, Do the Right Thing. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, he, he smashes Crash's stereo with a baseball bat, prompting Crash to have the most realistic reaction he has in the whole movie. He's like, hey, Christ! Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, blimey! Oh, blimey! <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> Me uh, boomily box! A blaboon! Uh, so they go to a, the... <laughs> They then go to a house party that Crash has not been invited to at Gates. Yeah. Which I don't like. No, that's just a bad... Only the hacking is fine. That's a this party foul. Just fucking oh. gross. That's a party foul right there. I say this is a man who's never been to a party. Someday I'll throw a party and you will come. And technically it will be a party. No, oh, that sounds you sad. You have a white line spritzer. So they, they go to the house party at Kate's. Lord Nikon feels that he has a photographic memory. In the creepiest oh. way possible. So, quick thing. When they yes. shot the scene, 11 times in a row, he said he had a photogenic memory. And the only thing that the entire cast remembered at late reunions was how much they wanted to murder him. That's a shame because he'd gotten murdered so much he was on that list. Oh, God. Again, layers to these Raphael scripts. <laughs> so, so much meta commentary in this movie. This also, is also the moment. What is Dade wearing in this scene? He's got like this giant orange, like, pool floater, maybe? It looks like an inflation vest. See, here's where the movie is very prescient, because all their fashion looks just as ugly as the fashion in the game Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. Famous for the amount of life life preservers people are wearing is is, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Fingers on the pulse of a nation. Yeah. Absolutely, on the pulse of something. And this is also the bit when Serial says, look at that pooper! She says, what a pooper. What a pooper! I wrote it down because I fucking hate it so much. What a pooper, this is spandex, that's a gift, man. I want to ogle a woman's backside without thinking about its biological function. That's my right as an hey. alpha male, I've hey. already established it. Hey. God hey. bless the USA. Serial Ser- killer. Eagle screech. Ser- <laughs> Serial killer is allowed as kinks. Serial killer is just don't call it a pooper. That's hey, gross. Hey, that's don't shame. Gross. Don't shame. I'll shame. Okay. I, I viewed it as like he is the jughead of this universe. He is just innately asexual. All he sees is like the the, the utilitarian function of all things. I well, if he's jughead, he should have a crown hat, and he should be eating hamburgers. <laughs> I will say uh, Matthew Lillard as Jughead makes too much sense in it, my head. They should have cast him as Riverdale. In Riverdale. And he would have been... <laughs> I, I've never seen Riverdale, but I assume only slightly older than the actors that they have on Riverdale. Pretty much, yeah. They go into Kate's room. They go into Kate's room to... Where she has a righteous setup. To mess with her righteous setup. And again, just barging into this woman's bedroom. Right. And uh, Kate and Curtis come in and... uh, This is literally Curtis's only function is to get Kate into this bedroom. Really? Yeah, exactly. Curtis... He he literally literally walks out of the fucking movie after this. He walks out of the scene and he evaporates from existence. There's never a moment when there's ever like, oh, me and Curtis broke up. They never... They forget that this character... Exists. He's like all. He's like the therapist in the room. Sure. Yeah. Just like and, and he just and he's gone. Oh, I feel like the there's way. there's a subtext here because like Kate's mom writes these emotional self help books for women, which are all like men are emotional yeah. amoebas. They're stupider than yeah. dogs. Curtis mm-hmm. is that. He is like her mom's concept of what the perfect man could be. Like easily controlled, easily tamed. Unlike the stallion, which is Dade. 
Uh, so we are saying that this movie is very sort of men's rights. Then, no, no, saying, no. Well, like I, I think no, no. He's saying he's saying that Curtis is just young, dumb, and full of cum. Mm. No, I, I get it. But like from a screenwriting standpoint, when you write like, yeah, yeah, she see she has her head too full of self help books written by other women, and they don't understand what real men are need, need whoa, to be. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're be putting... a man, uh, a crash. A real man is going to teach her what's what. He's going to make her wear a dress. I think you're misunderstanding what Stephen. I understand what you're saying. I'm saying that I'm getting a better understanding of what the screenwriter is saying. Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying. I'm saying that's what the movie is saying by doing this. Dave I, is I a think kind that, of like alpha male she never believed could exist. He challenges like her me. emotionally. Yes, exactly. Yeah, like you, yes, we exactly. are the new flesh. <laughs> I need to show you Videodrome. That's on your Canon list. Yes, no, that's on my list. That's on my I'm, list. I'm, I've now cracked down on Billy and being like, okay, you need to see these movies. We got to watch Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. We got to watch video. You need Crunk and you need your Cronenberg. We're going to do Crunkenberg <laughs> one of these nights. Crunkenberg Mondays? Is that what you said? <laughs> that might be the best thing you've ever said. Oh, well, thank you. It's a short list. <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Uh, See, so, but Kate come. They they Kate and Curtis come in. They're come making in, out. They're making they're out. Bad. They're about to. Fuck. Uh, they they uh they, the rest of the the crew is is happy to just watch them fuck. Yeah, like Crash is to his credit the only one who st who stands up is like hey 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 hey. Well, no, <laughs> the only reason he says anything is mm -hmm. one of them calls her like burn yes. or acid burn or something. No, no, no. Like, that happens later. No, no, no I have happens. notes. I no, wait, like no, I, I remember notes. exactly as it happens. Bitch, we have both watched this movie more no, than it, you. It happens in this scene, but what happens is they he he breaks up the the sex. She comes over and meet and starts obsessing over her own computer. No, and then no. they say, "Oh, burn!" And he and he says, "Oh, no, wait, that's burn." I went through the movie twice because I was confused over this. This is the sequence. They are no, looking the at her personal yeah. files, and her like yeah. OS slash screensaver has her stupid like flame symbol. And exactly. So Dade is staring at that like what. What? This reminds me of something. And but they're then, also calling her Burn. No, no, that comes a yeah. second later. Like, Nikon yeah. is looking at her, making out with her boyfriend. He goes, Burn's hardware matches her software. Yes. At which oh. point, Dade stupidly just instinctively goes, Burn? Burn? Actually, Acid Burn? Kate okay. looks up. But okay, Dade yes. still doesn't get it yet. Here's the thing. He only gets okay. it two lines later when Freak says, it's okay, Burn. He's my guest. And then finally he goes, you're acid, Burn. That's what confused me. Okay. That's what I was remembering is that two lines later bit. I didn't, I didn't, I just remembered him saying something loudly. To yeah. Break it. Savior me a culpus for your <laughs> apology podcast. The after show where I apologize for everything. And walking weird with Chris Hardwick. Right. Initially, and I thought that her symbol needed to have shown up in their initial, like, hacking battle at the beginning. It yeah. doesn't. This is the first no. time he's ever seeing it. Oh, my God. That's so stupid. It is. But not, not quite as stupid as the next bit. The worst line, in my opinion, that Matthew Lillard says in the whole movie, where they realize who each other are and where they know each other from. And and Sirius says, "Wait, crash and, and burn." And I wrote, and the writer just just ap immediately comes, just they just just like, "Hey, oh man, I wrote this clever thing into my script, but what if they don't get it? I better have one of the characters say it." You're in the butter right. zone now, baby. 
so yeah, so uh, we cut to the plague who's researching Crash's background. Only now does he realize that he lives with his mom, despite the fact that he's been in Crash's house. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good good work with the plague. One second. But now that Crash and Burn know that the that they are hackers, they have some real shitty sexual chemistry. Real shitty chemistry. Oh, man, so shitty. Burn Burn uh, is like someone trying to like just force a limp dick oh, into oh like God. a a hole in Swiss cheese. Oh, I just but want yeah. to jump back to you saying that Jolie is the best actor in this film. I do think that yes. she says, "I hope you don't screw like you type" about as well as anyone can deliver that line. That's what I'm saying. Like, the dialogue that she's given is not good. She manages to still come off as a cool punk kid, despite the fact that these lines should disqualify her from being that from that forever. She is she is giving off heat. Yeah. Uh, Sort of just by virtue of being Angelina Jolie. Yeah. But also she is doing some lifting. Yeah. No, she's definitely doing better than he is. Johnny Lee Miller just being like. Sex words. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steven, you were about to say something? I was going to say, like, I just want to jump back to this whole, is Dade supposed to be cool or not cool? Because I feel like that whole yes. section there, like, you can't interpret that as him being cool or good with women. Dade just sucks. Dade does suck, it's true. But are you meeting the movie more than halfway? Does Dade suck because Johnny Lee Miller sucks in this movie? <laughs> Or is this supposed to be like really sexually tense and mm-hmm. like, but again, like, like there's a, there's the bit where, um, in the movie it comes off as date sucking, but I can see the writer thinking that it would go a different way. So he, so she says, uh, they, in the scene it, at the end of it, they, uh, challenge each other to a hack off. Yes. A hacking competition. Now, when I was in a cult, that yes. meant something different. <laughs> right. But. Right. But we're 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 on hackers now. Gotcha. You, it, it's okay. You can let that go. You yeah, can let that no, part of your right. go. But anyway, so we we get to, we're we're in hackers and they're they're doing a hack off and uh, they're on. they're trying to decide on the stakes. Oh, okay. Yes, you're getting to it. They're trying to decide on the stakes. She says, "If I win, you have to be my slave. You have to be my slave." Mm-hmm. And he says, "Your slave." And she says, "You wish." Now. It's not communicated well at all because he doesn't say slave in any kind of suggestive way. But I can see that line as being something where the writer is imagining like a uh, this is going to sound ridiculous. A Roger Moore type just being like sort of like very suggestive. It was like, oh, you're a slave, you know, just like very suave and sophisticated. And instead, in the actual movie, you get your slave. <laughs> So I I can see it going both ways. It's very much right on that line. Where yeah. I don't, like you say, I don't know what the intention is. It definitely comes across like he's a weird creep. Yeah. This film was designed so that we'd be discussing its nuances 30 years later. It's a real Rorschach test of a film. Like it's it's what you project onto it. It's 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 this whole movie is the cave from Empire Strikes Back. You only bring with it what yes. you only find what you take with you. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, Burn uh, wins. Crash. Be- if if Burn wins, Crash becomes her slave. But like, just like her copy boy doing like menial yeah. tasks for. Her. And if Crash wins, he gets to go on a date with Burn. And nothing she has better to, than a forced date. Yeah, and she has to smile. That'll show her. Uh, ladies, smile more. That's what my bumper sticker says. Cool people ask ladies to smile. And then, uh, like, as I, a side note, one of them says, we have to do this for Joey, which is never mentioned again. 
yes. So we cut to a montage of them getting ready, and oh their fucking mind. Their friends are discussing the rules in voiceover, and one of them says that the the uh, the part of it that they're doing is is the the competition is they have to. They're see going after Richard. Gill. Who can get Richard Gill the best? Who can who can get Richard Bill to get the best? And uh, they say we got to get one for Joey. That's when they say that. And the preparation is interesting. Burn. You, we see Re- Burn basically just doing a lot of research, and she's meditating. And then we cut to some of the funniest shit I've ever seen yes. in my life. Of Crash spray paint camouflaging his keyboard, I assume, so they can't find him. Uh, and practicing dra- quick drawing his floppy disks <laughs> and recreating the taxi driver uh, are you talking to me scene in the mirror. See, I wish... I could appreciate how fucking incredible bad this is. This like, is I, so incredible bad. This is so dumb. I wish, like, I still had the first time I watched this. Full disclosure, yes, I was two days after my birthday, and I'd gone out for karaoke the night before, and uh-huh. I was super hungover. Sure, which is why I rewatched the movie because I was like, "Well, was I just in a bad mood when I watched this?" Mm-hmm. No. Sorry, Steven. It's all right. But I watched, like, I just couldn't appreciate how fucking stupid this is. It is it very just, stupid. It is so stupid. If it had come, if it yes. had, if this had come earlier, if this had set a tone, mm-hmm. I think I would feel much different about this movie. I will say it would have. I I agree at least on the on the level that if in if we had found out that Kate was acid burn way earlier in the movie, and the whole film became sort of a a prank war sort of bit where she and uh, where she and crash are doing the hack off the whole movie that eventually ends with them sort of finding out about this greater cause teaming up and fighting the real enemy. Yeah. That would have been a much better arc for both characters. I, sure. I, there, there's a note I have about this, which I think really like highlights something central, to, like the core of this film. And that, that yeah. is Dave's Central? computer. Sensual. Oh no, a very. So, Dade has this giant, like, 80-pound computer he takes with him everywhere. That's what he spray paints, like, the camouflage colors to give it its war paint. Uh, Apparently, not many of these were made. Right before laptops became the standard, there were, like, a few companies which were like, nobody wants laptops. They want an 80-pound computer that's technically portable. Now, what he has doesn't exist, and that's because these computers have, like, a tiny little trackball to, like, the lower right of the screen. And the Mm -hmm. prop master is like, this won't do it all. Dade is, like, the best of the hackers. So he has to have, like, an alpha computer that's bigger than theirs. But more than that, it can't have, like, a normal dinky trackball. So they super glued, like, a different, like, full-size trackball on the size of this machine. Oh, my God. There's, like, this weird, like, hypercompensation in, like, just yeah. the, the prop design, which I think really gets to, like, the core of, like, the whole hacker is... thing. So this movie yes. is something that, that that pretty much sums up the whole movie is like, hey, reality isn't good enough for us. And I just want to give a shout out to the trackball, my favorite 90s computer peripheral that no one fucking had. There was some free demo of a game where it was like, you can use a trackball. And it's like, trackball, tell me more. I'm the one guy. I was trackball loyal. You had a trackball? I had a trackball Aww. through college. I had a trackball up until about five years ago. What did you do with it? Just play Golden Tea all day? <laughs> no, no, no. I got on MAME and I did those old bowling sims. Oh, uh, 
that actually does sound really fun to be honest. Nice shout out to Mame. Yes. Nice shout out to Mame. Mame. You don't know what Mame is. <laughs> I have no idea what Mame is. I'm just trying to be She's cool. An That's who Mame is. I'm not elite. I'm not elite. I'll never be elite. I don't. I don't deserve the handle that I gave came up with earlier. It's Mimi Van Doren's emulating system. Just booted up. They start. There's a whole another whole montage of him going after this guy. One upping. They go after his bank accounts. Crash sends a bunch of of sends advertisements out claiming that he wants to be with uh, gay people. The uh, website is called Future Sex Contacts, which I think is the quaintest '90s name for a porn site I could think of. Yeah, yeah. Technically, everyone is a potential future sex contact. Sure. Mm. Yeah, that's what makes a life worth living. <laughs> future Sex Contact is my favorite Kraftwerk album. Sure. Uh, Byrne changes his record so that he's wanted for a DUI, which for some reason they have to do on top of the Empire State Building. And this yeah. causes Serial to howl like a like a wolf. Yeah. Lillard is actually hanging off the side of like the Empire State Building. He is leaning over the side of a guardrail. No one is supposed oh, to lean does. over. He's so crazy, man. Yeah, I don't know he's... if that's, that's an accomplishment, but it seems worth mentioning. Sure. James Cameron saw this scene and was like, but what if he did it on the Titanic? Mm. And that became that became that scene. Uh, I So here's something. A lot of people who talk about this movie, like this movie has a legit fan base. Yeah. Again, cult movie. And we're talking to the we're, fan base. We're talking to the fan. We're talking to the president of the fan club. I, I don't know when to bring this up. So I just, because this is audio, Stephen is wearing a pog hat. And I just, yeah. that, that's so beautiful to me that I need, I need the listeners. To You're know. the only Let one who's uh, described this as beautiful. So thank you. <laughs> Waiting twenty years for that. Again, this this movie has a big fan base. One of the things I hear the most is, "Oh man, even if you don't like the movie, the soundtrack is awesome." I kind of hated the soundtrack. Oh, I was ambivalent. Uh, are, Aside from the Rage Against the Machine ripoff, we get later. <laughs> yeah, you do get that, and that was I, I enjoyed that just because I like Rage Against the Machine. But what, uh, Stephen? What do you what do you think about the soundtrack? I think movie? personally, I, I'm with Brad. I think that I feel kind of ambivalent. I think that if you like electronica, what you have here is good, and I think that it creates. I don't know that you get like um, uh, the prodigy in other movies if they don't show up here first. That's Whether or fair. not that's good, I don't know. But like, I feel as though this mm -hmm. opens doors that eventually lead to like the Matrix soundtrack down the line. Sure, that, it opened doors for the Prodigy. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. I did. I I have heard that one of the things that the director bragged about with this movie is that he got a lot of people that he wouldn't have been able to afford later because they were just on the up and on the up and coming. But yeah. they. And then they became very big later on. So maybe uh, maybe I just don't appreciate the the, the classics. But uh, okay, so cra uh, Crash fakes Gil's death, uh, and then they up the stakes. Now, not only is the date and the slave thing happening, but whoever loses has to wear a dress. And then when they show the dress that they're going to wear, it's not a dress; it's lingerie. It, so I don't. It's, I'm very it's a pleather bikini. It's a pleather bikini, which is not what a dress is. Well, that is at least what Acid Burn is going to make Crash Override wear. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Because she brought it to school and put it in her locker. Right. Like a normie. Like a normie. Plague sends another message to Crash saying that people like them are samurai. They're keyboard cowboys. They keyboard cowboys. Which is, is straight, cattle. which is straight fucking William Gibson, straight fucking Neil Stevenson. Uh, the idea of like, we're the lone samurai. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Someday I'll have to lend you Snow Crash. 
Okay. And forced you to read that. Okay. I will say that I, I, again, talking about whether or not the plague is supposed to be cool. I don't know if he's supposed to be cool. He is definitely supposed to be like a, 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 I think that he is supposed to be a legitimate temptation for Crash. Like, yeah, oh, no, it's legitimate the Satan. last temptation of Crash, my favorite Scorsese. <laughs> no, like, you're, you're right. He's hacker devil. He's trying to lure, yeah, like, he yeah. is what Dade could be if you just accepted his inner nature. Come over to Zaibatsu Corp. Uh, take the corporate money. Suck at the corporate teeth. Exactly. The information wants to be NFT. Yes. Uh, we get a brief scene uh, that just refers to the fact that Joey's mom has decided that he's not grounded anymore just for no reason. Uh, and so he immediately runs like an idiot to Ramon or Phantom Freak uh, to give him the file, the, the, the floppy disk with the garbage file on it, leading the FBI right to him. Yeah. But at least. Yeah, Joey's the best. Yeah, Joey's the best. He's a, he's our he's our hero. But Phantom Freak is able to get away just long enough that he's able to hide the disc in the place where he hid that thing that one time. As Which is in a men's room behind, behind a, a condom, condom dispenser. Did, did you uh, guys have condom machines in, like, your school bathrooms? Is this a thing which I'm just, in like... In my home school? On no. the compound? No. <laughs> On the compound, sex was only for procreation. Right, yeah. Uh, in my high school, no. And I went to a bad high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I assume at the Christian high school you went to, no, as well. I went to Twin Valley. I mean, not as a student, but I was there for, like, events, and they didn't have condom dispensers either, and I was like, is this, like, a California that, thing? What? Was this supposed to be at the school? Was this in, like, a subway? I was not... There was no sense of place for this scene. It was That's in the school. A good okay. point, yeah. But no, I think I'm, it I'm... is the high school. I'm pretty sure it was in the high school, but that's because when the scene first begins, I thought she was in a locker room. Yeah. And it, I realized it wasn't, but my brain was still like, this is school. No, it kind so of I'm, is. So I might be off. Because there's like a bully shoving a kid into a locker. And if you look carefully, oh. you'll, see, you'll see the whole wall wobble when he gets shoved mm. into the locker. Of course. That could happen at a subway, too, That's though. true. And not just the transportation location, but the restaurant. Um, yeah. Hackers Absolutely. is a glowing indictment of our crumbling infrastructure. That is why this film was made. It really is. There's a lot of there's a lot of depth to this movie. Yes, layers. She so she gets it from behind the condom dispenser. She and Serial go to crash for help, but he refuses because he is awful and I hate him. Because of script, he read the script and he's like, "Oh, I need to refuse at this point." Yeah. Also, why the fuck do they need crash? Right. Uh, they they try and make it a big deal, like, "Oh man, I can't. I'm I'm on parole. I can't get in trouble again." It's like, "Well, you why would you, why did you hack Fox News then in the yeah. opening?" Well, it wasn't Fox News. Right. No, it was, it was OTV. It, oh, oh, okay. So it's OAN. Uh, so, uh, but she, uh, and Serial, uh, oh, we already did that, but he at least agrees to copy the disc for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plague says he's going to, uh, fuck up Crash's mom's life if he doesn't get him. <laughs> he's going to replace her file with some convict and she would mm-hmm. go directly to jail. Do yes. not go, not collect 100 cyber bucks. Crash attempts to, uh, give the disc to the plague and saying something like none of the other guys could figure out what this was. They, they needed me to hack it. They, they, they're, they're not important. You shouldn't touch them. Oh, uh, is this the part where the plague, like the fucking shadow yes. comes out of the darkness, comes out of the mist on his wheelie board and snatches the floppy. Yes. Story he does. Time. That's exactly. Like it's yes. five then, years ago. And then the first no, time ahead, I ever Steve. see this, I'm walking through a room. My sister's watching it on like movies or Comet or one of the local channels we have here. And this is the scene I walk into. 
And like right. I see Dade standing there in the middle of this misty street wearing his like stupid cyber tech jacket. And I already yeah. think this is the dumbest thing. Then without any context, car rolls out of the mist. There is a man crouched down on his skateboard, clinging to like the rear view mirror. And then with that, Dade holds out a floppy disk. The guy still clinging to the car, grabs it, and tells the guy in the car to hit the gas and whooshes off. And this is when I fell in love with this movie. This is just a single perfect scene devoid of context for me. Now I understand that. I understand that. That makes a lot of sense to me. That actually gives me a lot of context. That had been... Again, if they had front-loaded the movie with stuff like that, if I hadn't had to go through like an hour to get to that, I would be right on board with you. Because again... This is a fucking ridiculous scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's goddamn insane that yeah. anyone put this on film was like, God, we're making pictures, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> it is sort of a thing where it's like the, the really fun, goofy bits happen at the end. And if your first introduction to the movie are those early scenes where you're just kind of learning, oh, no, Crash is who we have to follow for this movie. Yeah. Like, at by the time I get through those first couple scenes, I'm very tired. And then you get to the really fun mm. bits and you have to, like... But having now, when you started the movie, you already knew what was coming. So you could be like, none of this matters. The skateboarding man is coming. Right, <laughs> right. You know you're getting it's to this point. Christmas. <laughs> The question is not, like, where we end up. The question is, like, what is the journey that led us to this moment? Exactly, exactly. Uh, that that it's, The movie should have opened with that scene, and then just, like, I bet you're all wondering how I got here. And it cuts back to the opening. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, I bet you're all wondering how I got here. <laughs> As Johnny Lee Miller would say. Exactly. In his Scottish... English accent. In a Scottish English Beatles accent, yes. Uh, but yes, Crash uh, gives away the disc to the skateboarding meanie, uh, and uh, then we cut... He tries to go and tell his hacker friends what he did, but they're too busy trying to hack the part of the program they were still able to copy, uh, and, they, and there's another big montage. This is where we get the Metropolis poster. Uh, they realize that the garbage file is hiding a worm uh, that the plague is using to eat little bits of uh, decimal points off of money transactions throughout the company. Superman 3, which is office Superman space. 3, office space, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's uh, And uh, they are like, we got to hack the Gibson. And there becomes like almost the beginning of a musical number where everyone say, if I hack the Gibson, I can get there in a half an hour. If I hack the Gibson, I can get there in 20 if minutes. If I join... 10, 5. And it's just this dumb shit where it's like, yeah, you're all friends. You're all part of this fucking <laughs> hacker posse. You're like, why won't you help? Why Why does Lord Nikon be like, yeah, well, if I decide, if I grace you with my photographic memory to yeah. scam on chicks, um, five minutes. Yeah. Like, okay, why do we? It's like it's like when a band is about to play an encore. It's like we have to clap for the prerequisite amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. they come out. It's it's the it's and then and again Peter Jackson saw this and was like I know exactly what I'm doing for the end of uh, Return Fel- King. Fellowship of the Ring wow. and Lord of the Rings is like and my bow and my axe it's the same thing. Gotcha. I've never seen the films. Oh, that's right. You haven't. That's okay. Hackers is a trilogy unto itself. The first film, the rivalry between Dade and Kate. A very brief second film is them taking on Agent Gill, and now this final yeah. third act is like an entirely different narrative. I do think that there's a lot of uh, overlap between the characters of Sauron and and uh, and the plague, personally. 
I think Acid Burn and Crash Override's relationship mm-hmm. really mimics J.R.R. Tolkien's and C.S. Lewis's. <laughs> right down to the fucking. I remember and when the Tolkien fact wrote Mess with the crash. Best, Die Like the Rest. That's my favorite part of the Selmarillion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Plague, who somehow just knows what they're doing at all times, even yeah. though there's no way. Because he he's can... so elite. He's yes. so elite. He's like reader. He's, he's like Justice Alito. <laughs> he has Pendulet reading all sure. of their Twitters off screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boss. Uh, but yeah, so Plague decides. That's a great Pendulet. Thank you. I thought I thought it was pretty good. Now do your teller. <laughs> Ugh, comedy. Yeah. Uh, Plague decides to launch the Da Vinci virus as a distraction, I guess, or something. Lorraine Brock was like, no, you can't do that! The environment! Perfect, perfect. I mean, that actually is pretty close to Lorraine Brock in this film. It's like I was living the scene in that moment. So they decide to go to a club to find uh, Razor and Blade. Yes. Uh, this is where we get the uh, Rage Against the Machine, against the machine knockoff. knockoff. Here's the thing. They go to find Razor and Blade. Yes. And uh, Crash is told this. And Crash is like, those guys are flakes. Why are they flakes, Crash? Yeah. Why do you think they're flakes? Steven, do you have an answer? I imagine he's jealous. There are posters everywhere in Cyberdelia. And like, little incel energy Dave is like, why isn't that me? Why can't they recognize me as like the sensitive, good-natured dude that I am? Why can't I be an Asian twink painted up like a geisha? <laughs> That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. But yes, uh, they, they meet up with Razor and Blade. Razor and Blade are actually about to sell out, and they don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, barely a moment, uh, like a line when that happens, and then they're like, oh, okay, never mind, we'll help you. And they said, that we have to get the hackers of the world to unite because the Gibson is just so powerful. We need all the hackers off of planet Earth, which is where the metaphor between me singing the hack the planet, Captain Planet metaphor becomes yeah. almost too accurate to the film. But the hackers, uh, the, our hacker gang lines up in a bunch of phone booths. and in they Grand Central Station. In Grand Central Station, they jack into the digital world. Oh, they fucking jack into the metaverse. Into and the metaverse. Dade is like wearing a Nintendo Super Scope. Yeah. Like head no, he has he's, a, he's got his Google Glass all set yes. up. He's, uh, yeah, no. And this is where the 2001 uh, inspiration is very evident as they really enter like a huge like psychedelic huge psychedelic star field at one point when they're click clacking away on the keyboards they have the phone booths that they're in actually rotating and like spiraling through uh the scene in this weird collage of images and they start unloading every virus they can at the gibson to try and take down its defenses so uh so crash can get in bella yeah i don't know if i don't know what is a virus and what's bacteria? COVID. No. Uh, polio. Yes. Uh, the cold. The cold. Um, boogie woogie fever. Boogie. Wo- <laughs> but no, they, they're throwing a, a virus based on Cookie Monster. They're throwing oh, in a zero bug, a rabbit flu. And at the moment when all seems lost, they get the call from Razor. Oh, Blade. they get the fucking Avengers the, moment where the, it's like on your left. Razor Blade calls in on your left, and just and and all the hackers come in to Bombay. Here, uh, E-Bombay. E-Bombay, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, I don't, that's what they said to Muhammad Ali when he came to Zaire. So it might not be the right thing. Um, sorry for correcting you. That's all right. I don't know what I'm saying. Why the fuck did they wait? Like, why would they not, like, aside from cinematic? They were only calling every hacker in the world. 
True. Because you gotta, here's the thing. You only have like this yeah. window when you're attacking the Gibson. There's only like five viable right. minutes where everybody can get in there. They, one, that's another thing. They found out when the uh, when the Da Vinci is going to pull the to pull the trigger, so they need to get in there before that happens. So they were on they were on a deadline. They had to jump in before they had the rest of the crew. And like when you say get in there before it happens, you mean minutes. They could have done this sooner, presumably. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. They. But well, but that's not hacking enough. That's Steven. true. That's true. <laughs> I just wish there were more scenes in this movie. Of people doing sweet skateboard tricks in a half pipe or a bowl or a pool or something and just going again as they did them. That's my dream movie. This is totally hacking you guys. I want oh, this- you hacking this grind. This I I, I I want the dialogue in this movie to come off as just as dated as 1960s Teen Titans comics. Sure. They're yelling out all this stuff. And yes, Margot is in the back. Yelling out every time someone says anything, no matter how simplistic. What is he saying? Just like speak English. What? You're Italian. Like, I'm Lorraine Bracco. We're about to give the computer brain cancer. Cancer? Rabbits? Cookie Monster? What's going on? Poor Lorraine Bl- Bracco. Yeah, I'm sure she did not understand a single thing in this script. <laughs> And she was just like, the star of Short Circuit 2, Fisher Stevens, sign me up. <laughs> That's exactly what she was thinking. She was like, I get to meet Fisher Stevens. She's like, there's a, there, she's, she heard a movie about uh, youth, youth, a gang of, of youths, and Fisher Stevens was there, and she assumed that we were finally getting the Los Locos spinoff that we've all been ho- praying for all these years. Bring this on home. Yes. Okay. So they find the file. Uh, at the last minute, Crash is knocked out of the system. So Joey, our protagonist all along, mm. has to be the one to go in and copy that garbage file. They copy it. They stop the Da Vinci. They crash the Gibson. Da Vinci has a Ghostbusters moment where he screams and his face is torn apart. Uh, Why would I'm glad Fisher Stevens took the time to program that? Yes, thank God he was like. Just in case somebody gets this, I want them to be rewarded yeah. with, a, with a game over screen. <laughs> we need a we need a fail safe. <laughs> like I'm not gonna put out an I'm not Bethesda. I'm not gonna right. put out an incomplete product. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's he's not that evil. But yeah, so uh, but crashes. So, uh, Jumping around my notes. Okay. Uh, okay. So I just want to mention my note, okay. which I feel is super important. Yes. And I, I, I thought this many times during the film, mm-hmm. but here I thought it the most. Yeah. Just the sentiment of, oh, yeah, we hacking. <laughs> we hacking. Oh, yeah, we hacking so hard. <laughs> I can hear Matthew Lillard saying it. <laughs> We hack, we hack, we hack it so hard. And as we go to hackers all over the globe, there aren't empty yeah. like uh, cans of jolt cola. There aren't mountains of like put out cigarette butts. They're all yeah. like individuals of like education and refinement. They're like yeah. typing from like geisha bars. Yes. Yeah. No. It's and that's and yeah. It, it really looks like they're cutting to all the other double O agents oh, in yeah. the world. But yes, uh, so they they they're able to, uh, to 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 crash the Gibson, stop the Da Vinci, copy it down to onto their disc, and they as they're leaving uh, their their booths, just right then is when the FBI shows up and they are all arrested, with the exception of serial killer who had gone to the food court to get supplies. 
Uh, they're dragged away, and Crash has just enough time to throw the disc in a garbage can. He he gives a verbal cue to serial killer who he sees in the crowd as they're being dragged away, and then yells at them to hack the planet in the most iconic scene in this movie, the only scene that I'd seen before yeah. of Crash being dragged away by the cops yelling, hack the planet, and Matthew Lord takes up the call. And I wanted the movie to end right there but with the whole crowd just going taking up the channel hack the planet hack the planet hack it's the planet. like the john wickiverse where everyone's an assassin but everyone's a hacker no i want it to be the attica of the 90s i want gotcha. it to just like everybody just like hack the planet and then it cuts to, and then it's like dick hack dick <laughs> but then like it, it would fade to the credits but before the credits you just have the hacker manifesto on the screen and be like and no and and they they were they still took the fall for it even though yeah but we have a happier ending where they're all in prison but uh serial does find the disc brings it to the uh pirate signal tv station and broadcasts it to the world saying that he feels like god here's a question why didn't they do the same thing with the plague's blackmail of um Crash's mother. Oh, and just like say like, uh, hey, he was also planning on doing this. The only answer I got for that is that they're using like razor and blades machines. So I'm guessing in their own petty, inscrutable reasons, they thought this was worthy of airtime. The other but stuff I'm wasn't. Like, I'm just saying, like three days before. Mm. Why weren't they like, hey, we're getting uh, pressure from this corporate goon mm -hmm. who's trying to blackmail my mother. Why don't I expose this now? Mm -hmm. They were too I distracted see. by their far more important prank war. True. That was much True. more important. As we know, because the movie knows that all this stuff aside, what we really want to know is, did they ever go on that date? And the answer is yes. Uh, they do go on the date. Uh, Crash and uh, Burn go on a date. Burn wears a dress. Uh, she didn't. This isn't something that she's doing as a thank you to him. They lied to her and told her that she lost the bet because they thought that Crash would never be able to get a date with anyone if this didn't work out. That's cool. Uh, sure. Uh, that that'll show her, I guess. Uh, that'll teach you to be a woman. Yeah. It's okay. And then, we and then, established she's had weird sex dreams, so it's all fine. That, that's yeah, true. we didn't get into the weird dream. Yeah, we, you guys can check that out yourself. Yeah, you can check that out if you really want to. And then we cut, and then the movie ends with them making out in a pool that's on a roof. Well, hold on. We get a bit where the plague and yes. is fleeing. Yes. And for whatever reason, the Secret Service wait until the plane is in the air yes. to arrest him. And continuing my idea of him being a character who somehow walked off the set of SNL, he's wearing the goofiest fake beard in the world Yes, in order to escape. They, Fisher Stevens was starting to put on the shoe polish, and they were like, no, we have a beard. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anything but that, Fisher Stevens, please. And then, yeah, so he, he gets away, and then we cut to the date. They make out in a swimming pool and talk and it out like, yeah, yeah. Only assume they got married, she got pregnant, mm -hmm. they became shills for Google. Right. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Steven, yeah. is there anything else you would like to say about Hackers? Um, I think it is a deeply embarrassing movie. I think that it is everything that is wrong and magical and just mind-boggling about the 90s all rolled up into one compact little package you can't Wonderful. get the good parts of the 90s without the cringe parts of the 90s the best and this part of the 90s are the cringe parts of the 90s the <laughs> right 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 so this this has the whole package hmm. any other thoughts brad uh no uh i think we i think we've definitely left it all out on the on the i think so 
All right. Well, thanks. Well, hold on. One last thing. Oh, okay. I want Steven to choose our next movie. Now, it's not it's not a blind draw. I'm going to give you some choices. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Pressure we decide to start a new thing where our guests will choose what movie we watch next. Next, I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. Mm-hmm. You can choose from Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? Uh, I'll oh, it was uh, Tatane. Are you familiar with Tatane? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Um, won the Palm Door uh, last year's con uh, by the same woman who did Raw. Okay. Uh, it's a trip, so I don't want to say too much. But it's called Tatane. And the third one was Bad Biology, Frank Henlotter's last movie. The only one of those three I've seen is Bad Biology, and it's one of the most fucked up things I've ever beheld. So that is what I'm... I, I told you boys to do The Beast. I'm going to tell you guys to do Bad Biology. Hey, we're going to make Billy watch Bad Biology. Oh, fun. Oh, fun. What a, what a day. What a lovely day. All right. Thank you so much for being on, Steven. I wish you had talked more. I wish we were uh, so steamrollery, but... Uh... Uh, thank you so much. Oh, I, I had fun. Like I was like Wiley e. Coyote. I got steamrolled, but it's all part of like the the joy, <laughs> the comedy of the experience. All right. Well, well, we definitely want you back on someday. Uh, find yeah. another movie. Maybe we'll vibe with it a little bit better. But uh, I mean, the other movie that you were considering for this episode was was Gremlins too. So <laughs> I guess we'll we'll see we'll see if that one comes up in the future. Uh, well, the first Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I don't know that the second one is, but is it? It's a Fourth of July movie, I think. Oh, oh my God! Okay, well, we have coming for July, coming this summer. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much uh, for having I, me. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on. Thanks so very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. All right. And the end recording. Your liver's too clean, boy. I can smell it.